This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. About this episode, last one was a lot of fun going over all the that, but mm-hmm. gangs is just such a fun topic, you know? Yeah. All right. Post that. People can hear us, but they can't see us yet. Oh, snap. So, yeah, watch your fucking mouth, dude. Be cool. Uh, be cool. Bro, be cool. <laughs> Chill. Let them, hear, let them hear green room shit. Yeah. This is the part where we shit talk other people in the community, right? Oh, no. <laughs> All right, there's a guy named Not Bob on NCS. He's a fucker. I hope yeah, he's in I hate the chat. that guy. <laughs> Perk logs in to hear me cussing at a mutual friend. Good, <laughs> yeah. good. Hey, we're live. Now people can see us too. Yeah, I noticed that too. Hey, PWB's in there too. Hey, hey. All right, cool. Um, yeah, let's get this going. This is the second episode of Night City Live. Uh, the first one we went over uh, places, things, and services of Night City. Uh, anybody that, that missed that live stream, you can check out the archived VOD on the Cyberpunk Uncensored YouTube channel. Um, this live stream will also be there uh, probably in a few days or so. I try to keep that updated uh pretty quick. But, uh, but yeah, uh, as you see, I've got some guests with me. Uh, before we get into this episode, this one's going to be all about gangs, about, you know, booster gangs, pos- poser gangs, custom gangs, all the gangs of Night City during the time of Cyberpunk Red. Um, plus some creative ones, like I said, some custom ideas. Um, but before we get into that, let's uh, have each one of my guests here kind of introduce yourselves. What's up, Zeppi? I see you in the chat. Um, Lobster Falcon, you're back. You were with me on the first episode. Why don't you uh, introduce yourself to everybody? Let everybody know who you are and, and what you do. Hey, everybody. Uh, so I'm Lobster Falcon from the uh, the Living Community Night City Stories, which is a cyberpunk red uh, living community uh, kind of West Marches style game. Uh, we are the largest living community for uh, cyberpunk red uh, around right now and had... Uh, I think we had 47 games in January across about 25 different GMs. Um, so we are the place to be if you want to find some West March style Cyberpunk Red. Uh, you can find us at uh, Reddit slash R slash Night City Stories, um, or you can find us on a Discord, which uh, I will hope somebody will drop a link in the stream chat. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, I see in the chat here yeah, it, it froze. Yeah, it seemed to. I had to. Uh refresh our our, uh, our program here and we got us back so no stresses the audio continued on though so nobody missed anything and yeah in the cool. archived version and in this once we're done i can't do it during the stream but once it's all done i'm going to drop links in the description so everybody can keep up to date with everything but uh joseph uh, carruthers uh, aka tormented by gnomes from uh do not what is it do not peak entertainment uh, do you, not peek. Yeah, I know. You, I know you want to take that one-on-one duel, but do not peek that <laughs> yeah. corner. <laughs> yeah, give everyone a breakdown of who you are and what you, what you got going on. 
Absolutely. Hello, everyone watching us live and everyone watching in the dark future. I'm tormented by gnomes. My name is Joseph. I'm a producer at Do Not Peak Entertainment. It's a sort of all-in-one house, does a lot of esports content, does a lot of in-studio content, or will when, you know, the carbon plague is gone. I am the Game Master in Residence over at Do Not Peak. I'm the Game Master for a show called Red Sky City, which features talent from the esports community. We've got uh, Golden Boy, the original Whatface, on that show, a couple of other folks. Uh, it's a lot of fun. We just wrapped up our second phase all the VODs are up on YouTube, and we're getting into our third phase of the story in a couple of weeks. So I've been running Red for, what is it now, six months? Something like that. I didn't have a lot of background in the Cyberpunk 2020 system beforehand, but I got in, I went all in, and I'm having a lot of fun. I did the GM Roundtable with Rob and company a few weeks ago, and I'm glad to be back. Oh, yeah, nice. And I'm glad to have you back. You were there with me on uh, the last month's GM Roundtable. Uh, episode and that was a lot of fun and we'll be we'll be hanging again soon so uh yeah and i see you renegade you made it in the chat that's great and yeah just to answer a couple questions in there nobody missed too much we literally just got started with some introductions and then we're going to get into it i'm rob mulligan i'm basically the founder of cyberpunk uncensored i do live gameplay every wednesday uh we host other gms i do interviews series like this one and a bunch of other ones gm tips cyberpunk red crash course tutorials all kinds of shit. I also uh, got the Cyberpunk and Censored Discord and group going and kind of expanded our team and community into a, a, a free stuff or assets blog. Um, you can check that out on our site and get a bunch of cool stuff like uh, auto-calculating fillable character sheets and NPC sheets, GM screens, um, just all kinds of stuff. But, um, but yeah, let's get into today's episode. I have my Night City shirt on once again, so I'm ready to go. <laughs> Let's get. I always try to rock a different cyberpunk shirt. I know it's cheesy, but fuck it, I love it. Um, so yeah, Night City Live. This episode's all about gangs. Um, so we're gonna basically focus on the gangs of Cyberpunk Red. Um, and anybody in chat, if you have ideas or things to contribute or questions, feel free to drop it in there. We always love to incorporate that into the stream. Um, other than that, Lobster Falcon, just like the other episode, why don't you take it from here? We'll kind of go down that list. You can do the blurb, and then we can all kind of talk about it. Sweet. Uh, so if you want to follow along, we're on page 308 of the core, uh, the Cyberpunk Red Core book. Um, so we're going to start off with the Sixth Street Gangers, uh, born from the many veterans of the Fourth Corporate War. The Sixth Street is a vigilant gang, which uh, vigilante gang, which protects various neighborhoods around Night City. Members of the Sixth Street are generally well armed and heavily, heavily cybered up with armament from their days in the field. Recently, they've been forced to move into extortion and smuggling in efforts to pay the bills. While they operate all throughout the city. Sixth Street are all welcome protect the Sixth Street are all welcome protectors of the Holy Angels Church. Oh, yeah. yeah, I like I, I like the sound of this game. I like you know, ironically it starts because this is an alphabetical order, this starts with a yeah. number. But um <laughs> this one, just like you know, a couple others, they just stand out to me because of being that sort of uh um, Guardian Angels style. I don't know if anybody remembers that gang back in the like nineties or whenever eighties and you know, that gang out in New York, they're in major cities in the U.S. kind of protecting people on subways from real bad gangs. They're still kind of like acted like a gang or whatever. But that's what they remind me of. You know, they're, yeah, they're a gang, but they're kind of good, I guess. It's an, it's a, one of those things that like 
that's really important to understand is that gangs are just not faceless people to be murdered, but they exist within an environment. And so Sixth Street is going to really represent the group of people who are disaffected by society who still know how to organize and use force to support a community. And so you see the little blurb in there that they moved into extortion and smuggling to pay the bills because um, everybody's got to eat. But at the end of the day, um, they're a type of gang that you can use in your gang that represents um, more good interests in terms of what you're pursuing on your table. Yeah, I feel like it's more protective. Yeah, definitely. What were you going to say, Joseph? In Red Sky City, <clears throat> one of the characters is a fixer who is trying, who recently took out uh, Royal. Ro no, Rex. Rex is the fixer in the book who's supposed to be keeping the combat zone in line, deciding where the combat zone ends and begins. And since Rex is gone, he's our fixer is forming a coalition of gangs to sort of establish a new order to maintain some sense of, you know, bounding inside the combat zone so they don't leak over. And one of the gangs that they brought in was Sixth Street, because Sixth Street has a, an invested interest in making sure that that sort of violence doesn't spill out. The interesting question that I would pull from this description right here, there are sort of two main themes I'd want to go with. One is, as veterans, this gives you an opportunity to bring the various corporate wars and conflicts into your story, bring them into Night City. Uh, there's some lore about the conflict in Central and Southern America and all the veterans that were sort of just abandoned out there and left to make their way, what was it called, the Long Walk or the Death March all the way back into the States. So this gives you an opportunity to have these folks who know how to organize. Uh, it's a great example of the trope of the veteran who does not know how to reassimilate back into oh, yeah. civilian life, but still wants to make a difference. So you're going to be dealing with people who are extremely good at fighting, who have military-grade gear, who have a lot of trauma that they're working through and are going to be dangerous because of the their training and the degree to which they're willing to you know act in order to protect the people they see as under their protection. Here's my question for my fellow GMs. Who are they extorting? If they're a protection gang, if they're trying to keep protect neighborhoods, who's the target of their extortion and what are they smuggling? Yeah. So smuggling, I think smuggling is an easy one, right? Any kind of gang that's operating outside of lawlessness is going to be smuggling against the, the you know, NCPD and customs and things like that. Um, and that could be anything from, you know, illicit drugs to moving people unawares to bringing guns in um right like when you're when you're a gang is selling guns to other people in the area is probably not that big of a deal especially when you're the big fish now the extortion is an interesting point um, i think so too because when they say that they're doing this to pay the bills is it um the economic realities of trying to live in the dark future is making them prey upon the people that they protect. That's a cool story hook in and of itself, a division within the gang. Or is it a, uh, they are they are the bigger fish amongst other gangs who they're extorting? Yeah, um, like the Dagon or, Master in chat just said, maybe extorting all of those extortionists, you know, like. Right. <laughs> I, I think that if you missed out on a chance, like you were just saying, Lobster, to bring some ambiguity in here, then you're missing out on an interesting story hook. But go ahead, I cut you off. Oh, no worries. Um, I had two things. One, uh, I was going to say, uh, Perkinji in the chat is mentioning, um, I've heard a few people playing lawman as a gang lieutenant who can call on backup rather than a police officer. Love um, that. 
Sixth Street makes a really great gang member for that to be a part of, to still be the punk in cyberpunk where you're fighting against bigger objects and not just being, you know, the shit ass who's killing people. Um, but, uh, you know, I want to help my community. And so along with, you know, serving my turf, I also uh, do edge runs and I can call on the boys to, to you know, go lay a beat down when I need to. Um, yeah. Now I was gonna say the other thing too is this the one does it is this the one that mentions the the Church of Angels or whatever yes, it says? The Holy yeah, that, that's Church. something worth pointing out too. Is not you know, not many of them mention like territory. I noticed that there's not like distinct stuff, and this one definitely mentions that. So you can at least assume that they're over there in what is that little Europe, uh, wherever mm-hmm. that that church is. Um, isn't that where that is? Yeah, it's Little Europe. So yeah, so, so that's one thing to kind of point out too is that this one gives a, a bit more direction when they drop that name, and and also anybody that noticed uh, the, the sounds we have going on here in in the background of the stream. Shout out to Sirenscape, uh, one of our sponsors. We like to drop the Night City City sounds going on while we do Night City Live. So, but yeah, this one actually mentions the, the location. I think that's pretty cool. Um. Something that was also brought up in chat was a crime ecosystem. This is a segue that I will take at literally any point. Um, one of the things that's really interesting when you think about gangs specifically and crime is about um, how a gang fits into an ecosystem within the world, right? And so gangs generally, uh, if you think of them as predators and prey, right? As the number of predators increases, the number of prey will go down. And when it reaches a certain point, the number of predators has to go down right so when when there's a lot of people and no gangs the number of gangs is going to grow when the number of gangs grows the number of innocent people be or the number of people eligible to be preyed upon as gangs take territory decreases when you have gangs like sixth street who are operating off of um protecting people and getting things like that um they are either going to be um and if you're looking not being simulationist but having cool story hooks about it um if they are praying uh you know trying to extract the same wealth in a different way in terms of protection money literally versus other gangs uh they're going to be pushed by different things on economic realities of surviving so really think about if you have a six street heavy uh and just think about the crime ecosystem in your world um when when things happen to the to places areas uh sorry when things happen to the areas that gangs protect what is the income what is the impact upstream on that gang uh, how might that affect their recruiting their money uh, all sorts of other things like that and and who they protect might shift just based on those realities yeah and i see aqua here in the chat um saying in cyberpunk 2077 in a sixth street gang site there's a shard showing that the current leader of the sixth street son got kidnapped by former netwatch agents so he said sends his to save him and free every other prisoners kept by um i think i oh there you go i think think we just lost light (laughs) i'm gonna try to get a light back on but yeah if somebody wants to comment on that yeah, that's, I don't recall seeing that part. I am. Uh, I'm actually the worst reference. I have not yet played 2077, uh, mostly because I don't play release video games until six to eight months after they're released. Um, but it's a, uh, yeah, that's. I mean, that te- let's see. 
six street. But games. yeah, no, definitely, it sounds more like uh, you know mm-hmm. along those lines of being you know still gang, still like it says, doing what they need to do to survive, but still hired on I don't know the the more moral side of black ops activity. I guess you could say like they just seem like leaning more on that side, you know. So it can you can definitely be uh, focused towards that, but um. Yeah, I got the light back. I was in the dark there just for a minute. Uh, Mr. Bind. Um, I like calling him that. Even though it's PWB, we talked about that before. All right, next gang. Let's let's push this along. All right. Oh, uh, go. On to everybody's local favorite, the Bozos. Um, so when they first appeared, the Bozos were just a prankster gang, biosculpted mm-hmm. to look like circus clowns with red bulbous noses, wild red hair, and long flat feet. No, not shoes. And costume to the part, the Bozos became impromptu slapstick. But soon the Bozos became the ultimate killer clown gang. People living on Bozo turf learned the hard way that if you see a pack of Bozos, just run. Bozos enjoy playing on people's greatest fears, lurking in apartments in the dark, locking victims in small spaces filled with rats, stopping elevators midway and filling them with water. They are not funny. Yeah. I have a special place in my heart for the Bozos. When... We started our game and our show. I was introducing... Our players were new to the world of cyberpunk. And so I was introducing them to some of the lore and just explaining some of the things going on. And one of the things that always stands out is if you look at the lore of the universe from like the earlier editions, the 2020 edition, to Cyberpunk Red and ultimately to 2077, you can see this progression where it was very much rooted in the weirdness of the time. Right? It's always whatever is the weirdness of the time. By 2077, the gangs are acting pretty, I'd say, normal. You know, They all represent more what we'd expect in, in real life taken to its extreme. But especially in 2020, there's a lot more of that Mad Max 80s-style gangs of New York, Batman you know, villainy going on. You've got poser gangs, and we're going to get into some more of these as we go on. So if I'm thinking about What's the weird stuff of cyberpunk? The bozos leap immediately to the page. So I brought them up. The players latched onto those idea and kept incorporating the bozos into their backstory. So they've been a recurring theme throughout the entire show. And I have done my best to make them. And I don't know that this would be the best approach. I'm willing to bet that in Night City Stories, things may work a little bit differently. Uh, I think we've sort of been leaning into the extreme aspect of it. I've been doing my best to just make them inhuman, alien, and terrifying. Like, they have a process by which they turn people into bozos. They subject them to brain dances and involuntary biosculpting, and they almost borg you into one of them. They've got twisted rituals. They operate out of an abandoned theme park. They use psychoactive drugs. Uh, I've just done as much as I can to make them creepy and you know disturbing so that any time clown music plays the entire party shudders and freaks out oh yeah (laughs) uh the the direct opposite of what you said uh i personally like to use the bozos when i need absolute sicko shit um just the the worst possible thing of deranged subhuman violence that doesn't necessarily need to make sense but violence for its own gratuitous sake Mm -hmm. um that's when i want the bozos and it's interesting hearing your des- description of the bozos um, in terms of their recruitment. Um, the the description that I was pitching uh, for bozo recruitment was was the almost the same thing, but torment until people snapped. So the scenario mm-hmm. that I built up the, a while back was uh, bozos find an apartment building with five people in it, um, start 
tormenting all of them in escalating more and more ways, hiding under their bed and scaring them with knives, moving into, you know, putting drugs into their water, um, making sure that they can't sleep, exposing them to all this stuff. And after months of just driving these people to the actual edge, uh, giving each one of them a knife and saying whoever comes back with their nose gets to join the bozos. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, and get to play things like got your nose but like you know take clown tropes and make them really weird right um and so that's a that's the type of thing um that i'm that i'm looking to use bozos for um but i think definitely now i was gonna say definitely leaning on the the, you know the tormenting the harassment side of things and then the twisted versions of clown stuff whether using you know pies and squirting flowers but replacing with things that you know, can cause damage and do fucked up things or weird stuff or, you know, graffitiing the vehicle, all, their player's vehicle all polka dot, you know, yellow and pink polka dot and things. And they always come out and there's like helium balloons. And, you know, you can do clowny stuff, but make it tormented and then mix it in with that real sick fucked up stuff, you know. But I love your idea of tormenting <laughs> to the point of driving them in. I love uh, Joseph's idea of you know, uh, forcing in and torturing and the brain dance and all that way in. And then from the chat, um, I see Gonzo here, um, who's Eric. Uh, he plays Coupler, our, our tech in my weekly, our Wednesday uh, stream that we do 6 p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time. But he said, you know, Killer Clowns from Outer Space makes a great reference for bozos uh, to the extreme and the kind of crime they commit. Oh, t- I totally agree. Um, and then uh, Dagon Master, all the humanity lost from body sculpting probably dro- drove them psycho, but then Gonzo replied they were probably already crazy. And I have to lean towards that, but then I also see Joseph's side of it. So, you know, I think it depends on how the GM plays it, you know, are they body sculpting and brain dancing and doing fucked up stuff to make the humanity loss and torment and make them psycho and turn them into that? Or is it more along the lines of, you know, these are psychos to begin with that like self-body sculpted to be that crazy killer clown from outer space style. But no matter what, I also think out of all the, the gangs, this is, well, the first because alphabetically they're listed. But, um, you know, one of the main poser gangs that they list in, in that sense of the, the body sculpting and kind of theming the gang to look like something weird or being along those lines. You know what I mean? Yeah. One of the one of the things that uh, Zeppi also brought up that I think is really relevant with the bozos is he says uh, this is an angle that I feel is not done enough. It's easy to write them off as psychotic. It's even better to tell the players why they turn deranged. Um, so, if you think about it, you can use the bozos as an allegory for the cycle of abuse, um, which happens today, right? The abusers are most likely people who were abused. Uh, the bozos play that out at a at a grand scale, right? Like, is Night City so abusive that it takes these people and turns them into sickos, and by the virtue of the environment, makes those people now that infection vector to force other people to be sickos, right? Like, you can use that as a story about, you know, if you are a cyberpunk trying to clean up Night City, right? Um, can you stop that cycle of abuse? Um, or can you slow it down a little bit, right? You may, might not always win against the inertia, but can you make it a little bit better? There also, if you look at most of the gangs, uh, and I know we're immediately going to go into a highly ideological gang up next, but if you look at most of the gangs, you can at least understand them, right? Okay, uh, mutual protection, ego, pride, identity, money, power. Like they, they've all, They all operate on things we can understand, even if they're really, really dangerous, we get what they're going after. The bozos are one of the most esoteric and 
difficult to understand <laughs> because they're not really operating on a normal profit scale. You could run a game about where their money comes for, you know, for all those nifty toys and asset pies they get, but they also sort of exist as this extreme outlier of that cycle of abuse that doesn't really fit in to the normal ecosystem. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's that unpredictability and, and you know, non-reasoning or whatever that you, can, that you can't define their, their motivations as easy that makes them extra scary and dangerous, you know, because that which is confusing is, obvi- you know, is, is kind of scary when it's, you know, led by violence and torment and all that shit. It's like, what the hell? <laughs> so that's awesome. And I, and I saw uh, in the chat... Um, I don't know who said it first, but uh, they said, oh, it was uh, PWB water balloons filled with phosphorus that ignite as it drives. I love that. And then Gonzo saying uh, balloon animals handed out to kids filled with toxic gas. Yep, that's definitely Bozo style. <laughs> but uh, I have, uh, what were you going to say? On, oh, on last stream, I, I think I mentioned the, um, the Bozo Jack oh, yeah. in the boxes. Um, I love so that that's idea. My, that's a great campaign yeah. idea, yeah. To drop those in. So, uh, you might not have heard of Joseph. My my favorite dumb thing to include with bozos is a Jack in the Box, which is a human-sized crate where they have attached a person in who's still alive and wired a car battery to them. So when you turn the crank three times, it turns the car battery on, so they pop up screaming, electrified. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I bestow upon you the greatest honor one GM can bestow on another. Yoink! <laughs> <laughs> it's a that's that's the type of I think cyberpunk red is really endemic with the opportunity to do um, gritty cinematic, which is the opposite mm-hmm. of like gritty simulationist whilst you, while you can be campy and still gritty at the same time, which is cool with the setting. Absolutely. So what's the next one? Let's go. Let's hit the next. one. All right. Uh, the next one is a, another popular one. The inquisitors, uh, the inquisitors are a cult gang, like the hate gangs. They center on a specific ideology in this case, religious. The Inquisitors think cyberware is blasphemous and think that nothing of tearing it right out of your body. They consider this saving your soul. Not only do they believe that cybernetics are evil, but they also have a war going on with every other gang in the city. Everyone hates these guys. Yeah, I, I recently put them in uh, one of my sessions. I had uh, the um, the wandering DM, Simon, came over and played a, a rocker boy with our team for a, a session. And... Um, and yeah, it was a lot of fun. I had the Inquisitors kind of uh, uh, attacking them. They were basically trying to re- re- uh, recover this lost cargo from Rockland because these two arrow zeps collided over the city, causing chaos over the city. Everybody trying to get the washed up cargo and all the free show that scattered. And they were trying to get one from a club and hold it down in the club while uh, you know either somebody could show up to drive it out of there or well what they did hijacked a vehicle to get it out of there but while holding it down the inquisitors came the club owners sold them out inquisitors all being anti-cyberware and all that obviously they wanted to uh destroy that and the team and all that stuff so that was a lot of fun but i think they're an interesting gang because you can lean into the more i don't know not cheesy but more like uh like like I said, cultist style things. They can be a little more dramatic in the things that they say and do and whatever because they're they're not as driven by like I don't know dealing drugs and extortion and typical gang stuff. They don't even have a set turf. They like go around typically um, and and do whatever they want. All gangs hate them, you know what I mean? Because they're against everybody with cyberware. So I don't know. They're pretty interesting. Have, yeah, you, have you guys the, used them before, or what do you think about them? I actually ran an Inquisitor game last night. Uh, oh, so, nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the important thing, and uh, Perk puts in the, uh, in the chat again, um, one of the interesting bits of 
2020 lore that pushes forward with the Inquisitors is remember that the Inquisitors are hyper-competent, as equipped as Max Tech without cyberware, skilled, and they're incredibly uh, incredibly sophisticated organizationally. Um, They'd have to be. Yeah. And when you really think about the Inquisitors, I don't even think of them as a gang. I think of them much more so as a terrorist network operating in cells, um, they're in it for ideological purposes, not necessarily for money, though they do have money-generating enterprises to continue the pursuit of ideology. Um, like, the the goal, the game last night was um, I started off the run uh, coroneting blue, kidnapping two players, and putting them into a torturing brain dance that was um, conditioning them to hate cyberware as part of a... Uh, uh, part of a training program to take a benevolent therapy AI and make it into an AI that makes anybody who it's attached to hate cyberware. Um, they're trying to purge cyberware out at a mimetic scale rather than a physical scale. Um, and so those are the type of plots that I see the Inquisitors doing, not just like random cyber snatching where they probably also do that as like part of their funds. Um, but also, you know, what can they do at scale to poison the well, and not even, well, not in their mind, to, to heal the rift that cyberware has caused within humanity? Yeah, I like how not Bob put in there, too. You never know who, you know, on that level, playing it like that, you know, you never know who is an inquisitor either. Uh, they could be your local politician, a respected community member. Yeah, definitely. If you, if you lean into it on, on that side of things and less, less, you know, creepy cultist vibe of anti cyberware and more of this terrorist, you know, individual cells and all that uh i love that idea uh not bob of expanding it to that point um that's really interesting uh joseph have you uh used the inquisitors in any games or i haven't um the first time that i i read through them it was like this it makes sense that this is part of the world but it also sort of has a deus ex human revolution feel to it where the issue of augmentation isn't really something i want to the way that it changes people is something I want to explore in my games. Mm -hmm. But I also feel that it would be a, an extremely niche belief system because of the advantages offered by cyberware. And if there's anything we know, it's that if a group can get an advantage, they're going to take it. And at first I was like, okay, yeah, you're going to run into people. They're going to grab you. They're going to rip out all your cyberware. It'll be gruesome. It'll be nasty. You know, low-level cultist encounters. I wasn't familiar with the lore about them being absolute badasses. Which makes sense, because if your first reaction is, how the hell do they survive in a world where everyone else is modded, that it's either they don't, or they're really freaking good at it. I also like the idea of them, like that brain dance mimetic war is fantastic. I think that their sophisticated plot lines would involve getting positions of power and harming cybernetics companies at a high level. Like, said, don't just, you know, grab some schmuck and tear out their chrome, get into Rocklin and implant viruses at the highest level in order to mess with things and, and cause people to change their faith, etc. I think there's a lot of exploration you could do about why they believe this, you know, what, what's their source of information, how religious is it, uh, what do they tell each other, and where what are their supply lines? One yeah, of the questions I'm going to bring up for every single gang is like, where do they get their money because they gotta to fund all this? Yeah, I was just going to say the other thing, like if, the, you know, aside from sabotaging, you know, cyberware companies and things and going on that bigger level, I could see them, you know, trying to destroy supply chains and, you know, nomad, nomad uh, packs that are traveling for corpse and supply chains for them that deal with cyberware um, if it's yeah. going on that level. And yeah, what's up, Big Val, my beautiful wife, Val Mulligan in the chat, who <laughs> plays Raven the Solo 
in our Wednesday weekly. Um, that's awesome. Glad you could, uh, I guess, take a break from work and, and join us for a moment. Um, but yeah, moving on. What's the what's the next gang on the list? All right. Um, so after the Inquisitors, we have the Iron Sights. Uh, the Iron Sights are a relatively small but surprisingly tough combat gang of borderline cyber psychos. Uh, once funded by Arasaka, they fell on hard times after the war, but word in the street is they have a new benefactor are once more flexing their rippers. So the Iron Sights are a gang I've never used, um, and I don't know if I've heard anybody use them before, but I think... I think they overlap a little bit with kind of the maelstrom feel of the big, you know, chromed up cyber psycho thug gang. Um, what do y'all think? Well, I think it's interesting well, that them and after you. Tiger Claws. Well, I just wanted to point out one thing. They're mentioned as being backed by Arasaka at one, at one time. So it almost seems like the conflict of interest between gangs. And obviously, you know, we can go back to 2020 and talk details about things like that. But just the underlining sort of conflict of having gangs like that maybe it it's a type of thing where one is more elite street or protective of japantown which is kind of how they describe not that we're up to the tiger claws yet but um but maybe this one a bit more on the dangerous side but but regardless mentioning arasaka i just wanted to point that out that there's a couple gangs here that they do mention were um and this is one of them but joseph what were you going to say if you look at the iron sites just their name alone and the fact that they were apparently funded controlled etc by arasaka I think it, it brings up the division between the different types of gangs. We know poser gangs are, they all biomod themselves to resemble something in particular. But what, aside from just being really good at fighting and really violent, what makes a combat gang a combat gang? You know, what is their reason for existing? Because Maelstrom, we get a, a very good portrayal of Maelstrom in 2077. They are, and they, they seem to be, aside from the hardcore cybernetics, they're just acting like a gang. They control territory, they sell drugs, they raise revenue, they have rivals for territory and power. I would use Iron Sights 1. They make an appearance in Red Chrome Cargo, the free adventure that was released as part of a larger power struggle. It, and given that their name is based on weaponry, it seems to me like they're almost more of a mercenary gang. You know, they, they would be more involved in merc work, but from a non-corporate side that might be uh, for hire for you know they used to just be arasaka muscles so they're comfortable in this position of being the muscle for somebody else who pulls their purse strings and like by themselves that. they don't have a lot of ideology they just focus on being good at shooting and not taking crap from anybody yeah that that makes a lot of sense yeah, the, saw, the other thing I, go ahead no, I, was gonna go say, ahead I saw you put in chat we'll see too if somebody puts a blurb there from 2020 because i saw i think it was zeppi um, who's getting ready to GM for Cyberpunk Uncensored. will probably get his stream going sometime in the upcoming weeks or days. We'll see how quick. But uh, he does say Iron Sights, I believe, are numbered at like 40 in the 2020 rule book. Um, so regardless, however they come about with, uh, you know, as Red progresses, um, I, I do think that the description is, is fairly similar in that sense. Obviously in Red, it's all post, you know, you know this is, they, they were, funded by Arasaka because of obviously everything that went down um, that brought us to red. Um, but what were you going to say there? Uh, oh, Gonzo actually just made the, Gonzo in chat just made the point that I was going to make yeah. is I see the iron sights as being the muscle on the street for Arasaka when they don't want to risk their corporate assets or as, or as a new recruit pool. Mm -hmm. um, I like to imagine, um, uh, let's say you're, uh, you know, Arasaka spec ops and you're in Japan and you commit a crime and you're sent to high, you know, high security jail and Arasaka says, hey, you know, I've got a way for you to be free, uh, but it's going to involve a little bit of time in Night City. And maybe you start collecting some 
real bad, real hard people from Japan and start moving them slowly over into Night City that where you have a group of beholden to you highly skilled people who can be deniable assets. Uh, that's a, I think, a, a good hook if you want, uh, you know, want a gang that uh, might be, be uh, do uh, executing on corporate interests, but the connection isn't really explicit in your story. Right. No, exactly. And I think the whole, uh, you know, the fact that it's it's post Arasaka, you know, funded style, it definitely leads into that being open to be hired and kind of possibly played that way uh, in the campaign. So I love that. Um. Anyone have any commentary on Iron Sights in the chat? Yeah, I was waiting to see if there was uh, more um, from the 2020 about how it develops. But, but regardless, let's move on. If something pops, we can always backtrack and make mentions. Uh, but yeah, what's the next one? Cool. Um, everybody's favorite from 2027, Maelstrom. Uh, the combat gang formed around the remnants of the old Metal Warriors, a gang virtually wiped out in one night by the Inquisitors. It later drafted members of the Red Chrome Legion and Iron Sights who also had violent personal gr grudges against the Inquisitors. Post-war, Maelstrom settled another long-running feud with a smaller gang of cyberpsychos and began to adopt some of their old rivals' meat-hating philosophies, leading to an almost exponential increase in visible and extreme cyberware among gang members. This, in turn, has only increased the number and intensity of the battles between Maelstrom and the Inquisitors. Yeah, this is... I always picture these guys... I mean, obviously, yeah, everyone's favorite. You know, they're, they're all cybered out and not scared to show it. They're, you know, cyber-psycho, borderline-style gang you know they've got the the multiple cyber eye stuff going on and just really extreme and it's fun and exciting but there's some like underlining thing here that i always picture like you know at, at least half of the members of that gang are like neo-nazi fascist fascists even if they're ex or whatever or from what is it the red uh mm -hmm. red chrome, uh, chrome Legion. yeah you know because like so i, I picture ha at least half because what did they got them recruited from them and, and what was the other one iron sights uh, yeah so you know, at least half of them are, are coming from that Nazi background or belief system or whatever. Um, so not only extreme with the cyber psycho side, but the fact that half of them are like that and the other half tolerates that half of them are like that and they all get along to be in a gang like that. It just shows me that it's going to be, um, you know, the potential if, if, you know, your session zero allows it and people don't think it's too real life or touchy, some options of pushing some racist stuff going on or some fascist stuff or, you know, potential post-neo-Nazi conflict or, or idealism, maybe not fully onto that, but it, it can have a little tone of that with these guys. They just seem kind of grimy dangerous with that when it, when it comes to that shit. What's interesting about them is that they specifically hate meat. So, you know, if you're going into this idea of this extreme ideology, uh, which the Red Chrome Legion, we're going to get to them in a bit, their ideology, I think, is deliberately left very vague. But I think that you could say that the ones who would gravitate towards Maelstrom are the ones who have an ideology. It's not just that they like cyberware. They have an ideology of cyberware. They have an ideology of improvement and the frailty of meat. So it, it, you can start to think about what would drive somebody to act that way. What would motivate someone to act that way? And if they pull people from these different groups, they're going to bring bits and pieces of their ideology with them. But these are the people who are attracted to the idea of just being absolutely as chromed up as possible. They also, I think, act as they're a combat gang. But again, they're sort of more involved in traditional criminal enterprises, even though they're willing to enact extreme violence. The wiki has them doing illegal sales of uh, medicine, weapons and hit jobs. 
So I think they're pretty easy to incorporate into a campaign. And they're fertile ground for a GM who's really looking to make the the cyberware aspect of the future take forward stage. They're also in like in they are in in some cases the mirror image of the Inquisitors, right? Um, a cult of cyberware versus a, a cult of flesh, right. um, and it's it is a it's another good use of kind of the. Um, just because there's two sides doesn't mean there's a good guy and a bad guy in every mm-hmm. argument, right? Uh, there can sometimes just be uh, uh, people with opinions, and most of them are, are bad for the people on the ground as they get stomped on in some war. Um, but you can you can use that as an opportunity to explore, like, if there's a war between Inquisitors and Maelstrom, do the players care? Do the players, you know want to embrace that uh that pursuit of being fully chromed out of riding that line of you know 12 empathy to see if you can get by or um or do you or do you you know embrace the inquisitor uh push against that that maybe the uh loss of humanity is actually part of what is making the world less stable due to the presence of cybernetics over time um or maybe you just hate both these guys because they shoot people and commit crimes um (laughs) If we go back to the previous thing we were talking about with the Inquisitors, if you play the Inquisitors as an extremely elite, adept group of uh, social manipulators and social engineers who are operating in cells at this very big picture level, and the Maelstrom as a ground level, but with excellent hackers and sophisticated tech, etc., and you show this conflict, you could easily create a situation where at first the PCs are saying, oh, Maelstrom bad, they're chromed out, they're super violent, they're doing all this bad shit. And then they find out what the Inquisition is trying to do. And it's this huge plan that involves sabot- you know, brainwashing people, breaking therapy AI, like you said, and giving viruses that are going to cripple or kill thousands. And suddenly they're saying, well, crap, I don't want to help these you know, chromed out maniacs. But at the same time, this is really complicated. Right. Well, that's kind um, of a fun tidbit. They're immune to tear gas because none of yeah, them have yeah. eyes. <laughs> Yeah, I saw that. Um, no, definitely. And I think uh, it, it leaves good opportunity. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, you can argue any gang bo- booster, poser, custom, whatever you can make. How you know, on whatever level of stats and skills and weaponry and whatever they have to make them, you know, a difficult opponent or an easy target or whatever. But I think Maelstrom always leans into uh, you know those advanced character encounters if they're kicking a lot of ass. They at least give you options to load them the fuck up with cyberware, put a couple cyber psychos in that gang, you know what I mean? And make it a, a force to be reckoned with if, if your teams are, are that strong and things like that. They at least, in, in my mind, uh, leave that option wide open because of their philosophy when it comes to cyberware and such. Yeah. All right, what's next the, on the list? Right. Uh, unless you want it, what did Zuppy say? Because I no. see, like Joseph oh. said. Um, yeah, it would be interesting to me to play them in any other way as they are so disadvantaged with their lack of cyberware, so making them involved in... Wait, so that's that not about... That has to be about... Uh, oh, It was about referring the to the Inquisitors. Inquisitors, yeah, yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah, when I started reading, I was like, no, they, Maelstrom has lots of cyberware. What? <laughs> I was confused for a moment. Sorry about that. Yeah, no, totally, I, I agree. Inquisitors, yeah, thanks, Epi. Um, all right, yeah, what's the next one? Cool. Uh, 
the last one is, or the next one is the Philharmonic Vampires. Uh, the vamps are a prankster gang who were dubbed the Philharmonic Vampires a few decades ago when five members clad in tuxedos, capes, and vampire teeth flew upon wires behind the Night City Symphony on Halloween night. Are they artists, hoodlums, a social commentators? Are those teeth part of the costume or not? Who knows? I picture these like che- che- cheesy preppy drama kids trying to get attention, and now they're like, "Ah, shit, we're, get- we're getting attention. Tr- time to become a gang, I guess, or something." I don't know. What do you guys feel about them? <laughs> you can go. I think you can go a lot of different ways with your personal interpretation the of the Philharmonic Bozos. Vampires. Yeah. So you can. Um, I tend to. I tend to think of them not as. Um, a violent gang at all but closer to the valentinos and more so about um almost banksy style art pranks mm-hmm. um with criminal criminal elements you know uh, i'm think of dramatic heists uh think of um social commentary art uh imagine something like you know stealing the the necklace of some movie star right before she goes on stage and replacing it with something that melts dramatically and like you know lots of graffiti uh, graffiti and uh you know destroying some public plaque or statue or property on you know right before they're about to reveal it or something you know they do things it definitely like i said has that sort of like preppy prank like you know they're you know that end of uh uh Gang, I hate saying it, but you know, on that end of social justice war- warrior stuff, because I hate incorporating real life stuff. But if if there was that cheesy end of it, like trying to make a difference, but on that criminal side and, and doing stuff behind to make the point, um, they'd be on on that end of the spectrum. But I picture like bringing in some social aspect, like you know, trying to make a point against you know government or something along those lines. I, I feel like the, whatever point they make would be really obtuse, you know, sort of the this says a lot about society of gangs and really elaborate, big setups, uh, you know, clearly very artistic, but everyone's sort of left saying, like, what exactly are they trying to say here? You know, it, the sort of stuff that feels deeper than it actually is. I took a look at the wiki because it's one of the easiest sources to pull. And uh, apparently I can't hard confirm this. They hate mimes. <laughs> oh, I wonder why. So, like, you know, I guess they would hate low art. I think you could go a lot with, if you went and watched uh, Now You See Me, the Now You See Me movies, and then ran the Philharmonic Vampires, I think you'd be in the right state of mind. Oh, yeah, I like that. Uh, yeah, and like Gonzo the says, ch- they're very avant-garde. Oh. What were we going to say? Um, like, Deshaun in the chat gives a great example of the type of prank that I see endemic to them. Um, which is, I like the example of them driving by in an NCPD car and shooting money out the back of it as it rains amongst people, um, only for the money to realize it's counterfeit and the rain washes away the money in people's hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that type of like obtuse prank Joseph was talking about. Uh, you know, some there's some kind of weird commentary on capitalism and the police, right. and mostly it just annoys you and draws headlines. Like that's kind of what oh, yeah. I see it causes is, a you know, traffic jam or whatever they're doing. You know, like. I, I definitely like that. It's a, it's that level yeah. of pranking, you know. Nobody's sure what the prank was supposed to say, but they're all high fiving each other back in their headquarters <laughs> about making people think. Right. Yeah. All right. Cool. What's next on the, uh, the list? Uh, sorry. One one thing in terms of using Philharmonic vampires. Um, if you wanted to uh, explore maybe a more complex complex aspect of them, um, think with always these gangs. Think about people and think about divisions. 
Um, so let's say somebody, you know, they're primarily doing jokes and pranks and maybe they're primarily made of high society people doing these things. But what if there's somebody in it who uh, wants it to have more of an explicit purpose? What if they're visualizing themselves more as vigilantes where they have to do something rather than just comment on it? Or vice versa. What if somebody says, this is our opportunity to make money? Um, the Philharmonics could easily be a commentary on power plays with, especially if they are made of people with money, hiring edge runners to facilitate their power plays within what is considered to most people a joke gang. Um, and yes, Banksy gang. That's exactly oh, what I, I think. That, yeah. <laughs> right, okay. One last thing yeah. you made me think about this, Lobster, is they hire through a fixer anonymously they hire the edge runners to do something really weird and obtuse with no deliberate purpose and it's the sort of thing that makes you feel like oh i'm the pawn in a corporate conspiracy like clearly the fact that i was supposed to go to these coordinates flip these valves and then leave this letter with a black rose in this spot like i'm involved in some high tier corporate sabotage but what you don't realize is that you are just the patsy to execute their latest art project right <laughs> yeah. yeah i like that a lot high, okay. so high society pranksters fighting the goons who want to larp <laughs> that's from I not, not bob yeah. all right what's the next one <laughs> all right uh the next number the piranhas the piranhas are a typical party gang they party drink smash take and deal drugs mug people all of it is par a part of a just because lifestyle to these guys the party is everything so with the Piranhas, um, on the previous episode of Night City Live, uh, we talked a little bit about the University District. Um, the Piranhas, I see, are a group that is going to heavily involve themselves in the University District. They're going to be where, yeah, they're going to be a lot of uh, bruh, a lot of, uh, you know, selling medium weight drugs to people, um, possibly, you know, uh, running brothels or escort services to college kids. Uh, selling cut Nova Coke, you know, on a corner, um, throwing, you know, arranging big parties at the frat house, um, and mostly just being um, belligerent hoodlums. Um, and I just like the university district is that setting, whereas like these are the people who we can make the most money off of doing this. But that type of party gang you can insert anywhere you want to that's not explicitly controlled by another gang with bigger guns. Yeah, no, I think I, it's definitely, I mean, you, you said everything that I was going to say when it comes to the whole bruh and like, you know, that whole mentality of them and Zeppi saying literal poser, like not poser and augmenting and trying to be something, but literal like poser in the sense like, you know, bros and, you know, that, that style of people trying to be actual gang. But really it's, like you said, it, kind of that college town gang or like uh you know, de dealing with that is the clientele, but a real gang would come in and really probably mess them up pretty bad. But uh, but yeah, I definitely agree. I think I, I look at them the same way. But I think just sum summing it up with the whole bruh thing, I think does does well. Uh, bruh, let's kick this homeless dude. He's so old, sick, bruh. Exactly. That's what Perkin Perkin there said. I think that's the name. Yeah, Perkin in the chat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I think that kind of sums it up. Gonzo, I see them as a gang. You want to throw at your team in a club or on a street. But don't want them to go full gun blazing, uh, but a street fight and brawl exactly, or maybe like a you know a standoff or something, and it's an easy win. Like yeah, they, I would definitely they're they're not not going to be one of the ones that's like super difficult for a team to to mess up unless you know you catch a bunch of them and just by sheer numbers it's annoying or something. But they definitely don't come across like the 
like a real brutal, serious gang, you know, more, yeah. par- more every, party. Go ahead. Every gang in the rule book and really every single piece of lore that they give us can be used in a couple of different ways. And I think the easiest way to use a gang like the Piranhas is as window dressing, where it's a chance encounter that sort of brings the city to life, that helps you explain what this place is like to your players. But if you want to go a little bit further with a serious plot hook, have somebody important get involved in one of the Piranhas' parties and go missing or something happens to them. You know, uh, the rich heir of some corpo family is out you know living partying on the street doing hard drugs etc running with the bad crowd and then goes missing or gets their kidney stolen or something and enter the edge runners were the piranhas in on it were they hapless dupes what's going on yeah the um gosh what was i sorry go ahead no. is it for me we'll wait oh. what were we gonna say for we'll, we'll wait. So, damn it, Rob. Um, so uh, <laughs> for the so for the piranhas, they are going to be whoa. <laughs> um, bam, bam, bam. In right, the, so in the exact same way with the philharmonics, uh, like uh, Joseph was saying, you can definitely explore um, how they're you know what they're doing and how they're how they're moving about. Um, you can also explore divisions within them, like are people trying to push them to be more hardcore. Are, are, are people in the gang trying to take control and make money off of them? Um, are people just trying to, you know, party and grill? Um, and the Piranhas also bring up another good point, which is I, I've seen a couple of GMs, you know, newer GMs do this, but this is the type of group where if you get in a fight with them, they're not fighting to the death, right? Like, remember, they're going to hit seriously wounded, and most people hit seriously wounded, they're going to try and surrender or run. Yeah, one's, def- um, one's definitely going to say, like, dude, don't you know who my dad is? You know, like, or something. There's going to be some, <laughs> some, like, you know what I mean? Or like, oh, dude, call the cops! Like, you know, this... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Bruh, call the cops! Alright. What's yeah. next? What's next? On, uh, would you finish? Did you have thoughts to finish? Sorry. No, that that was this, that was a, just more of a general commentary. Like when when you're running gangs, just make sure to understand. Like, um, Maelstrom are probably going to fight longer, right? But they're not necessarily suicidal. But the Inquisitors very well might fight to the death, right? I had a suicide. I had a Inquisitor last night in the middle of combat turn and use their last shotgun round shooting a hard drive or second to last round shooting a hard drive and then the last one shooting themselves so they couldn't be interrogated. Uh, but that's not a thing I would ever do with a piranha. They would just be like, "Yeah, bro, it's all on the computer. Just let me go. Like, take whatever right. you want. Drop the gun." Like, uh, oh yeah. So I see him the same way, most definitely. <laughs> all right, what's next on the on the list? All right, the next one is getting into the the fun part. Uh, the primetime players. Uh, so the players are a poser gang who use biosculpting to look like members of old sitcoms and TV shows from bygone eras. They're an extended family gang which protects their neighborhood and longs for a bygone time. The players are broken up into a number of different factions based on various shows. They're territorial, they're territorial and fiercely protective of their members. So there's a couple interesting things going on with that blurb, right? One, uh, just the uh, hilarity of a bunch of people from I Love Lucy or shout out to Deshaun in the chat, the bangers, uh, who he threw a psychotic group of Big Bang Theory members of uh, the grunt <laughs> levels. Uh, were Sheldons, who whenever they got shot had a speaker that shouted Bazinga, uh, with a monstrous four-hex fat Leonard with a meat hook hunting down to demand the Sheldons to feed him. Um, but the primetime players as a group are um, very much in... Uh, 
very much like Sixth Street, right? They're you join them because you're hoping for something better, which is an interesting take in you know that you see reoccurring within the cyberpunk universe. Yeah, and I see uh, uh, the Dagon Master. I have a faction of the primetime players called the Trekkers, who dress up like Star Trek. Uh, characters and call their low-level grunts red shirts. I like that. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, I recently I did I do a one-shot, an ongoing one-shot, um, and I have different players come in. I uh, recently had Ellen from Roll to Cast in. Uh, Tara Bella plays uh, almost every time. Uh, Cody Pondsmith's wife, um, and then Steve from Sirenscape comes in. But in that one, I did an episode uh, where they encountered a, a poser gang that I guess technically could be. Uh, you know, a division of the primetime players, because as you see in the description, there's, you know, I imagine different sitcoms and groups that are all kind of within this mega, I don't know, almost organized crime group of primetime players, but uh, it was the the Tiger Kings, and it was like all the lower level ones had the mods to look like tigers with the tats, and I grabbed the, the image, and then I grabbed um, Joe Exotic and Carol Baskin as the main two leaders. They're always arguing. There's like an audio role you can hear behind closed doors because they're always arguing with each other, but they run the, the Poser Gang uh, based on a retro uh, docuseries show from back in the day, obviously retro from 2045. But, um, but yeah, I love the idea of that if you want to throw in some cheesy fun. Like I know in 2020 they had like the Brady Bunch. I imagine that'd fit, you know, within, but, you know, it's borderline cheesy, but if done right, it can be a lot of fun. You can laugh at it and still make it rowdy and dangerous or whatever you want. But, um, but I don't know, poser gangs, especially primetime players, or when you get into actual like pop culture icon style things, um, you risk making it just full on comedy or whatever. And like, you know, like, uh, it's got to be balanced with some grit and some fucked up stuff or whatever, uh, I, I feel, to make it work. Because sometimes, uh, I don't know, that can be a, l- a little bit too fun. <laughs> I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. The The primetime players are, like I said earlier, where you... Um, Cyberpunk Red is gritty, cinematic, and also a little bit campy, right? And this is that... You can... This is the... A lot of bit campy, but you can make sure to drag the gritty and cinematic part into it. Like, think about the... Think about the level of trauma that you have to go get surgery to look like Johnny Bravo because you desperately want to fit in and feel secure, right? Like, that's a, a path you can explore. Like, okay, yeah, you might think it's bad, but um, have, if you've ever heard of a, a concept called signaling theory, right? The idea of signaling theory is um, when you give somebody a signal and that signal is ex- costly, it costs you a lot to give that signal, it's, it's a more important signal. When you get biosculpted to look like this random person from a tv show you're sending the signal to this gang that you are committed and you are in and the what you look like is irrelevant as much as the as what it costs you to say you can no longer hide that you're part of this gang right um so really it's it's you're showcasing how involved and committed you are to your gang and your neighborhood because each gang's associated with a neighborhood and there's some cool stuff for you to explore there um or you can again just make uh, like one of the people on NCS did uh, a gang that's just various Mark Wahlberg's from uh, his top 25 <laughs> films, uh, and one of them has transformed into Optimus Prime because they didn't actually uh, have a full recording of the Transformers yeah. film. Uh, yeah, like per- Perkin in chat <laughs> says, honestly, the grit of uh, dispossessed Mister Rogers 
I'm <laughs> seeing him try to fit in a life outside of the gang. I, I love that idea because of what you just mentioned about like in the neighborhood. I could see like a, a gang of Mister Rogers that went through all that, like walking around talking about their neighborhood and shit, and like protecting it or something. Like that could be kind of crazy, but. Yeah, the the Wahlbergs, that's another one. Like you see how like it, it can be like crazy and wacky but borderline full on comedy in a sense. Like you got it's a fine line. You gotta like balance it as a GM, I feel, or give them the proper actions and, and uh you know, what they say and what everything else that the that the session is about, I feel, needs to balance that fact, you know what I mean? Yeah. Cause they could be doing, you know, fucked up stuff, right? Like exactly, and that yeah, could yeah. be the tone comparison where so much of the tone uh is generated with like there's wanton violence being committed by a guy who looks like jfk um like that's weird all right um but like that's the i think that's like the contrast that you can draw about how like strange and and almost twisted night city is apart from being funny yeah like uh gonzo saying mr rogers would be the best rocker boy super pacifist and solving everything through rep standoffs and persuasion checks. I like that. <laughs> like he's super nice. He's even still wearing that sweater vest, or whatever, or that, uh, his cardigan thing. <laughs> you know, he's like, you can catch him changing his shoes throughout the day and shit. Like just, <laughs> but he's just super nice, you know? Um, all right. What's next on the list? What else we got? Cool. Uh, the next up is the Reckoners. Uh, the Reckoners are one of several apocalyptic cults that sprung up after the war. They roam the streets, preaching the coming harvest of souls, recruiting from the homeless and looking for donations, often taken in the form of your unconscious body. A few are serious crazies who want to evoke the end times right now with blood and C4. There's not a lot of information on these folks out there, is there? No, and, nope. And before we dive into this real quick, just, just to give these a uh, voice in chat because of, about that primetime players and all like Sesame Street, I love that idea. Like, gang, imagine them like done up you know, completely bozos style where they go so extreme to look like a big bird and a snuffleupagus and all these weird characters from Sesame Street. Clone High Gang, uh, Nuclear Gandhi. Uh, that would be kind of <laughs> crazy. Um, okay, back to where we were at. I just wanted to mention that because they got that in chat as we were making the transition, but I thought it was worth mentioning. Those are funny. So, so Some dude in a garbage can, PWB <laughs> says exactly. <laughs> That's funny. All right, go. Um. So for Reckoners, I've used Reckoners on a run before. Um, I like to use them as a very grimy street opponent, right? So Maelstrom is, in my mind, like too high level. They're, you know, really chromed out. The Reckoners are going to be the guys in leathers with pipes, you know, roaming the back alley of a combat zone, um, you know, mugging already poor people while also doing, um, like, also doing some, you know, maybe some weird form of community outreach that's really more about like getting people to give them power um so i had a contrast of two scenes back to back and perk was on that run um of uh of uh reckoners going out into a crowd of like starving people and kidnapping young women to take back to their leader while at the same time running a soup kitchen line in front of their church that they had taken over while somebody preached the end times and they had to listen to the this person preach their you know dark end time speech before these starving hungry diseased people could get some food it's kind of like when somebody offers you a free vacation but you have to sit through a, <laughs> like an eight hour pitch for a timeshare right except worse no i definitely they definitely have that cra the crazy side of that though when it comes to like you know like you said the the dark days the days of reckoning and shit like that they're they're to me like 
um, what inquisitors almost dabble in when it comes to vibe. When you start thinking about that sort of stuff, these guys like fully take it and run. Um, maybe like less less um, intelligent about it. Like you said, you know, mugging homeless people and shit, and just being being a little crazy on the crazier side of that ideology, ideology or whatever. Definitely picture you take more these. Like that. You take these guys, you, you do a lobster recommended by making them early game enemies, and then you lace their prophetic ramble. Like, if you're actually running a, a campaign about, like, a big bad plot going on, right? Something bad actually is coming. Some brain-eating virus or robots or nuclear weapon. Something, right? In the session one, you use Reckoners, and you have them say a bunch of stuff that is coincidentally going to be true, but it's not because of any of their stuff. So you use them as foreshadowing early opponents, and then you phase them out just as you start introducing hints about the real threat. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Um, exactly. Uh, yeah, and, and I think in the chat, a couple people are getting them confused with reclaimers. No, um, yeah, so Perk was on the run. Um, I pr uh, and that I did Reckoners. I probably said Redeemers. Uh, oh, that's as what I it was. Confused okay. the word, but uh, that was a. Yeah. It's yeah, no a sweat. So one of the other things with Reckoners is like that blurb there gives you, uh, and just like Joseph said, gives you multiple layers to play with. You can have like weird, you know, street preachers. You can have people just mugging people. But you could have, like, a legitimate end-of-times blood cult, right? Like, doing sacrifices and ready to, you know, blow up a subway that's on the way from, you know, the Beavertons or whatever, or Beavervilles. Um, like, as, you know, to propagate the end of times. Or what if they, you know, these are the type of people who are, like, not trying to make money, but you get a group together and they're, like, trying to poison the water supply. They're doing, like, Joker and Bane shit, right? Like, trying to, you know, destroy Night City. Um, that's where I would source people um, who were who were trying to like cause cause mass terrorism that wasn't necessarily backed by an ideology other than chaos and destruction. Right. No. Exactly. They're like I was saying, a more a less tactful inquisitors where they're like anti cyberware and tactful with it. These are like the end of days, but less tactful. Like maybe a little more um, unpredictable. Like a cross between bozos and, and and inquisitors on the on that sense where they have that cultist vibe to them. You know, um, but I definitely really think that makes them dangerous. What was that? Oh, sorry. I just want to say, Joseph, if you're posting links in the chat, it automatically purges them so people can't see them. That makes sense. It just didn't display that way for me, which is odd. Yeah, well, when you post links, like... it doesn't call them uh, on your screen. Interesting. Oh, smart, smart. Yeah. Uh, basically, if you, there's a cyberpunk wiki that amalgamates content from various editions of the game. If you own Cyberpunk 2077 on PC, at least, there's a secret copy of the Cyberpunk 2020 rules buried in the directory, which is another great source of information for lore, by the way. Nice. nice. That's really cool. All, All right. Cool. What's um, next on the list? So next up is everybody's favorite to hate, the Red Chrome Legion. <laughs> uh, the Legion is a neo-fascist hate gang. Young people united around various hate group ideologies. Uniforms and militaristic slogans are the rule. The Red Chromers will attack anything they think isn't right. Right in quotes, they put that too, by the way. <laughs> I'm not going to blame Archalsorian Games for being vague on the spe specifications <laughs> of neo-fascist ideology. I'm not going to blame them for that. 
Unfortunately, there's all sorts of places on the internet you can learn more, so they didn't feel like they had to write a lot. <laughs> the um, work was done for them. So, yeah, Red Chrome Legion is uh, is set up uh, to be, you know, obvious bad guys. Uh, I'm going to unequivocally say it. Uh, I don't have a space in my game for people who think the neo-fascist hate gang are the good guys. Right. Um, <laughs> and so... Preach. The, but... There's, there's interesting stories you can tell um, with these people, and specifically with individuals in these groups, right? Um, so, you know, you can obviously use them as um, people who roam ethnic areas and, you know, whatever, you know, beat up black people or beat up people, you know, uh, of different races, colors, creeds, um, you know, commit that type of racial sectarian type violence um, using these uniforms and militaristic slogans. Um, and so... You know, stopping that or beating them up, whatever. That's a that's a good classic punk story, right? Is fighting against this explicit group. Um, but it gets really more interesting to me when you start looking at uh, telling the stories of individuals and how individuals got into being the Red Chrome Legion, right? So much of Night City is so absolutely shitty that sometimes you're just surrounded by people who are the ones that keep you fed and safe, and you you know marinate in that ideology. What if there's what if there's individuals in the Red Chrome Legion who grew up in this environment, um, and these are their, you know, brothers and sisters, but they realize that this is not, you know, not what's going, not what they're doing is wrong, right? Uh, or the, you know, the irony of different hate groups all attacking one another when these are all just people trying to survive, or heaven forbid, class consciousness occurs within the Red Chrome Legion and realize <laughs> we're all poor and the rich people are rich. And uh, why are we attacking other people right. of different races and creeds when there's all sorts of other stuff to stop us from being hungry? Like, these are types of stories that I think you can tell at the individual level uh, around Red Chrome Legion. Yeah, and I think so, Gonzo hits it there about the 2020 book listing them as like a militant skidhead gang that spent most of their time terrorizing those different from themselves. And I lean more towards that versus I someone up there said you, you picture them more like uh, doing soft... Uh, soft bigots rather than nazi reboots somebody said something along those lines. i can't see it in chat i think it was previous i was waiting but um but no see i i, I definitely think that they're they're less piranha when it comes to soft if if you get that but i think more uh hard like more they're definitely real and i picture them definitely more on the on the nazi style just like lobster was saying like you know going around more militant style like gonzo said the reference from 2020 um, yeah, they're the reboot of like a skinhead gang meets Nazis militant style, and they're going to be against anyone who's different. They're an easy gang to hate um, because of that. I would hope, like you said, no one at your table, no one at my table either. I think anybody that's like, no, they're the good guys, they're like, whoa, what the hell? Like, that's really <laughs> confusing. But um, uh, yeah, they're they're obviously the bad guys, you know, because of that. They're they're fascists, you know, and they're pushing that angle. And oh, and I think it was not Bob said something. Uh, there's n nothing more punk than bashing some fascists. Uh, hard, yeah. hard to get more punk than bashing fasc fascists. Yeah, it was not Bob. See, I love that. And it, great point. Cyberpunk, you know. So There was a, <laughs> a story that goes around sometimes. It was like a Twitter thread or something about a punk bar where this guy walks up and just sits down at the bar. He's just trying to get a drink and immediately gets, you know, say, no, get the hell out. And it's because the bartender spotted some, like, fashy stuff on the vest and he goes on to say, look, if you just let that slide, then his friends come along and then suddenly, you know, they are all hanging out there and then suddenly nobody wants to come to your Nazi bar. So 
if you want to do something other than just say, okay, uh, you know, who are we going to fight? Well, we'll fight Nazis. You can always fight Nazis. You just, you have the, our heroes have a favorite bar, right? And these fellows show up and they're buying drinks and they're just kind of hanging out, you know, just being whatever. And then they slowly realize over the course of the campaign, oh my God, we are turning into a Red Crumb Legion bar. How did this <laughs> happen? And that lets but you have like a, a subplot about something that matters to the characters that could be unrelated to the main plot, but roots them in the world. Oh yeah. But they're so nice, but they look like you. Um, oh God. So, <laughs> um, one of the other things with Red Crumb Legion, um, so I, I've been on a kick of, of doing runs about like the dark, dark corners of cyberpunk um, rather than just like, you know, kind of classic crime runs. Um, mm -hmm. If you've ever seen the show on Netflix or American Netflix anyway, The Green Room, um, which is very explicitly about or is a uh, explicit thriller, violent film about a punk band who plays at a Nazi bar and plays Nazi punks fuck off as a bit and um, starts a. Uh, uh, starts a series of cascading, escalating, very, very gory violence. Um, that is easily a run you can do with a rocker boy and just bait him into playing Nazi punks fuck off at a bar that he probably shouldn't. Um, looking at you, Casey Corrosive, um, that is that is not Bob's um, not Bob's British punk rocker with the famous song "Everyone with More Than 900 Eddies Is a Cunt." Um, so, but. The, uh, yeah, so if you want to do something that's like that's horror-esque, um, horror-thriller, uh, you can absolutely use the Red Chrome Legion. Take a look at the Green Room, though not if you're soft of stomach, um, but that is a great inspiration for a rocker boy run uh, playing the wrong songs at the wrong compound. Yeah, I love that. Um, I was actually in real life caught in a, a funky situation like that back in the day. I don't know if anybody knows, but I was a touring musician i've been in past bands back in the you know mid and late 90s early 2000s and uh did some interesting touring one place i went to and and we played at this bar out you know it was up in north florida and um we played and some of the crowd was into it some wasn't and we were with another punk rock band that we're friends with he's actually um uh he he streams as well i forget his name he, he visits theme parks and stuff really big on youtube um, but anyways, uh, we were, uh, after performing and stuff, I hit the bathroom and, uh, the bathroom was covered in SWAT stickers and stuff and all this like KKK propaganda. And I was like, Whoa, what the hell? Then I started noticing behind the bar, there was like these pamphlets about KKK. There was this, uh, uh, skull, skull and horns, uh, cattle thing out back when I went out back there, back when I used to smoke cigarettes and I saw it up there and it had a SWAT sticker carved and I was like, whoa this is that type of bar and then i started noticing how many people had like shaved heads that were in the crowd i was like yeah let's get the fuck out of here i didn't even <laughs> we had no idea <laughs> it was like completely crazy caught in the wrong place um but yeah anyways that was just my little uh, crazy <laughs> skinhead fascist story cool um but yeah what's um, the next one all right, uh, the next one up is the Scavers. So the Scavengers aren't a gang per se, but the desperate homeless who squat in the ruined city zones left behind by the war. They scour the treacherous, treacherous debris for saleable items such as copper, platinum, old tech, and even abandoned weapons. Many die doing so. Not least of all because these urban battlegrounds have been pretty picked over in the last 17 years, and the Scavers are constantly forced to dig deeper and deeper into unsafe terrain for anything of value. 
Uh, yeah, and just to back up real quick, because the chat came in later, Val Mulligan, my wife, says, I remember that place with a laughing emoji, because Val used to do all the touring with my, my band at that time. That band was uh, named Deroot, but she used to run our merch table and stuff, so she was there. She got to witness that. Yeah, it was fucking crazy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, when it, when it comes to these, uh, uh, let me see here, it looks like there's a... Um, but yeah, when it comes to, uh, what is it? The Reckoners, or uh, scavers. Sca- uh, scavers or scavengers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. When it, when it comes to them and I've worked them into campaigns, the one thing I, I, I like about them is I feel like they're on that level of, you know, desperation. Um, but to me, that name, uh, it, it is more of like a brand of, um, like if you were to say, these are all gangs, right? And then there's all these different types and styles of gangs within that terminology. So that's how I kind of picture them is, yeah, they're all at that desperate level of scavenging and out on the badlands and coming in and taking what they can to sell what they can. But within that, I picture like factions or divisions, like some that do mm-hmm. honest work, some that don't do so much honest work. I did a session. We brought in a Nino Gaming to play with our, our team Nameless, our weekly ongoing um, and they invaded a meat market. Uh, they were It was a long bunch of sessions leading up to this, but they ended up you know, finding someone in life path that was taken, being held in this meat market sort of place out in the Badlands. And it was a bunch of uh, uh, scavengers there, uh, scavers. What, what's the title there? Scavers. Yeah, it's scavers, just scavers, but, like a short. Exactly, exactly. But you, you get the point. But they were, uh, but these ones were, you know, into that. They were into, you know, taking people, you know, obviously finding and selling whatever they could. But they were on the criminal side of it, a little more willing to bend morals and do fucked up stuff. Whereas I picture some other ones that they ran into through a fixer that they work with were running a huge uh, uh, scaver sort of depot out there. And it was for all scavengers and people to come in. And it was basically this ex-dump site that was the size of like two football fields, real secure. But it was a place to come and trade random goods or maybe find things of the past and stuff. So that's a group I would picture maybe... A, a bit more moral, if you will, like, you know, trying to do honest business within that, but, uh, but still get away with criminal stuff. But that's how I picture them, more of a, a general label or community or idea uh, within society or almost class level within it. Yeah. But then you're, you're saying divisions. you've got like, you've got combat gangs and here's a bunch of combat gangs. You've got prank gangs and here's a bunch of these. You've got booster gangs and you're sort of saying, and then you've got scavers and that's another like category I, I, yeah. I, yeah that's how i like to think of them at least within uh in my campaigns yeah how do you guys yeah. uh, picture them what do you, how have you guys worked them in so yeah i think of it as in the exact same way um along with the like along with the peers of scavers is going to be like just groups of homeless people you know who are gathering together to get by right um maybe doing mutual aid, maybe they've built up just like a small community somewhere and bring people in and trying to feed them and stay safe from predatory gangs. Scavers are the exact same thing, but applied more directionally into uh, almost the um, gold rush style scenario of the only way that I can feed my family is digging deeper and deeper into this, you know, crushed morass of downtown Night City that got nuked and getting risk of stuff falling on you or getting preyed upon or dying of radiation poisoning. Um, it's not Bob, I think says it really well, which is it's, it's desperation Desperation. is the number one driving thing is people willing to do more extreme stuff to risk a payday that to the average edge runner might be nothing, but to them might be, you know, food for a month for their family, which is worth, you know, jumping into a radiation pit or whatever. Right. No. Yeah. Desperation. I think that's a great point. It's, 
kind of unfortunate what ended up happening with the scavs in 2077, where they're pretty much exclusively portrayed as, um, you know, organ stealers. Because I think that the idea of desperation really is more at play here. And people, you know, life is harsh. You, you don't go around ripping copper out of wires because you're lazy. You do it because, like, that's your lot in life. That's what you got. So I think that uh, aside from, you know, if you don't want to just use them as low-level mooks like the video game does, it's always good to do a story. If you want to do, like, a big-picture story, a scaver found something. And now either they start out the story dead in the first five minutes of the Law & Order opening sequence... <laughs> Uh, or, you know, they're on the run because they found something and a bigger gang or a corporate interest or a government, etc. is after them. That's an easy way to tie them in and to... Because whenever we're tying these gangs in, it's for a couple of purposes, right? It's for story. You got to have an exciting plot hook. But it's also always an opportunity to open a window for your players into the reality of that world. So you could do a real has-has-nots story by starting with a scav who finds something, having them be like the MacGuffin that has to be protected, and then go from there. Yeah, the uh, the an idea is something like imagine a scaver walks into a edge runner bar and you know quietly says, "All right, I I have something that I need some some muscle to help me get to, but I know where an original Malorian arms is." Right? Like, okay, cool. But they're now out on a limb. They they say they're going to split it with you. But what's stopping you from getting to the thing and shooting them in the head? Nothing except for you're a punk and not a horrific person. But are you like can we right. use this to draw that contrast are you really a good enough person to split 5k depends or you on, split think, 10k right depends on the players you're gming you know <laughs> yeah absolutely but it's it's one of those like allow people to draw direct contrast by giving them the opportunity to be good at cost that's what i always mm -hmm. think of all of cyberpunk is like you you get to be good but it's going to cost you something to be good it's much more profitable to be evil um so how do we how do we let you explore that yeah, I love that. No, and it puts that, that moral conflict. It allows players to really be engaged and invested in their character when they start incorporating, you know, moral conflict and balance, and then they start really diving into the motivations that they're role-playing, you know? I think it's great. Um, all right, yeah. Next one. Sweet. Uh, next up is the Steel Vaqueros. Uh, a nomad pack out of Salinas, their ragtag convoys make the coastal highway runs from Santa Cruz agriplots to the southern cities. They take in anyone who displays skill, dependability, and who can keep up. Smart and relatively honest, they have supply deals with several reclaimer groups in Night City. Um, Alright, so Steel Vaqueros is, uh, I think, a good example of a sample gang for nomads um, in terms of like what you can do uh, and how you can use them. This group uh, is a gang so much in the sense that they're organized around, you know, controlling a territory and power, but not in the traditional way of, um, of you know, ex uh, um, extortion or, you know, killing people or stealing or whatever, but running a business and recruiting and bringing in anyone who can and wielding that power. Yeah, what measure is a gang? Right. It's it's originally just a group of people who, who band together for mutual protection. I think one of the most interesting things about the nomads in the world of red is how powerful they are. By 2077, we're seeing a lot of marginalization kick in. In 2020, they were, you know, sort of decried, outcasts, blah, blah, blah. But in red, they are such a key part of the infrastructure and of the power and the, the economy and the power balance of everything 
that I think you can do a lot of interesting things with a group like the Steel Vaqueros simply by them trying to enforce their interests. They may not send leg breakers to take your territory, but if you know a gang is trying to raid transport in their area or a corporation is trying to move into their territory, they've got the muscle and the political and economic clout to back it up. So I think that they're a really good window into the important role that nomads play in the world. Oh, yeah. No, I think that it's this is the first taste of nomads being a gang in that sense, that it's less focused on, like how you said, the importance of nomad in red being all about supply chains, transport, sea, land, air. They're almost kind of an honored uh, group of people in that sense because they're like they're needed for survival, you know. Um, and they've kind of stepped up and they're running that. And you see, as you get to 2077 and roads and transportation, all these things are reestablished. They're not needed anymore. And they almost kind of resort to becoming gangs again. They're listed as that in the 2077 world book. Um, that Dark Horse one that came out talks about them transitioning and kind of uh, heading towards gang-like activities and, be, you know, the families being kind of considered. And I can see that out of desperation. Once they're in red, they're held up. they got all these great jobs for transport and all that then all of a sudden you know they took our jobs you know they, they all of a sudden the corporate reestablishes society uh you know travel and all that all, all the luxuries of modern technology and the nomads aren't needed for that so they got to resort to criminal stuff i think this gang is like the first taste of that in red they're the ones that said hey you know yeah we could kind of conform and just be like other nomads and run this but we're going to kind of you know take take all the ragtag you know, nomad randoms and put them all together and we'll all work together to do whatever the fuck we want when we want. And like, it's almost like that nomad meets a gang, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you could easily, uh, like, depending on how you want to run your table and, and run your night city, right? The Steel Vaqueros could be, um, what, does anyone remember of the names of like the super, the super fucked up nomads? Um, the ones that, like who get outcasted and, Bob, you know this in the chat. What was the name of those nomads? They have yeah. the Wraiths. The Wraiths is like their gang, but they've got a special name for yeah. them as well. Anyways, yeah. so yeah, like you could, if you wanted a bad nomad gang, Shiv. right? There we go, the Wraith and Shiv. Thanks, Perk. Um, those are the, like, you could make them Wraith and Shiv, right? Um, and those are like the evil nomads who've all been outcast for doing bad stuff and they round up and, you know, uh, those are ones, they're like the equivalent of train robbers, right? They're robbing other nomad packs. They're, you know, doing Blitzkrieg type stuff in their ground cars and Aerozeps and AV4s to go rob people and stuff. Uh, or you could use them um, like a, a business that dabbles in uh, non-business activities every once in a while when the times are lean. Uh, but it's, uh, yeah, it, I think they're kind of a, an open book um, and or a blank slate and with... Um, with how important nomads are, it's hard to see a nomad group that can that can participate in the logistics business not do that because it's so lucrative. Yeah, no, so. I, I totally agree. I think it and it allows, like I said, some of that um, I don't know more flexibility when you want to bring in the nomad element and not always have to have them about I don't know honorable travel and transport and supply chains and this and that like this. You can definitely go towards these guys when you want a little more on the criminal side of all of that, I feel like. And, and when you want to diversify what they're doing as nomads. But I love the fact it's, you know, labeled as like a ragtag group. So it's like all these randoms, you know. So it can literally be anyone and everyone um, as long as they're skilled. So that's great. What's next on the list? Sweet. Next up is the Tiger Claws. 
Once under the thumb of Arasaka, the Tiger Claws have broken away and become a dangerous protector gang of the Asian community in Night City. They have had a significant role in rebuilding the sections of Japantown after the Fourth Corporate War. The Tiger Claws are known for their fast bikes, enhanced reflexes, and killer martial arts. I feel like this is like if Sixth Street is uh, Little Europe's guardian angels in a sense of gang, you know, the, the, the Tiger Claws are that equivalent to Japantown, right? Mm-hmm. And again, they're they're one of the, just like the, what was it, the Iron Sights, they're like an ex, you know, uh, Arasaka paid gang, you know? Yeah. It's interesting because the Tiger Claws are actually um, represented is as a like an Asian protector gang, and the Cyberpunk Red Book discusses Yakuza as like a separate syndicate. Um, and so you could have interesting stories about... Um, Tiger Claws and Yakuza both determining themselves as protectors slash owners of Little Japan, um, or, or you know of Asian community and yeah Japantown, not Little Japan, um, and interesting interplays there about how you know how that power is contested um, and how syndicates versus gangs work. Um, syndicates is probably an interesting discussion in and of itself outside of gangs, but um, well. The, very similar in the sense that it's just you know a, a bit more organized gang or yeah. divisions of put together but but go on sorry to interrupt no go ahead a new money old money sort of thing you know where yakuza does the old storied traditions and you know the uh, tiger claws are the new kids on the block who don't follow any of your stinking rules and i could easily see uh the tiger claws being more autonomous whereas the yakuza groups have you know, longer lasting ties to overseas crime communities and such. And that would be, you would probably have internal factions within the Tiger Claws. Some of them say, let's be beholden to these other groups because they can give us a lot of power and influence and respect. Others saying that's going to destroy our identity and threaten our autonomy. You're always looking for the intra-gang conflict. That seems like fertile ground. Oh, yeah. I also like to imagine Tiger Claws as Bosuzoku, right? The... um, Uh, you know fast street bike gang that's like running around doing Mm -hmm. maybe anti-nomad stuff or you know they have a uzi on their super cool bikes like an akira um like now that's a type of like a really cool aesthetic that not a lot of other gangs have that you can use for them that is you know canonical it's funny because i just had a uh, in the one shot the yakuza doing a a funeral um it was a guy that the team had to go and extract they're hired by david ling po who as you know, is all Chinatown, uh, so they couldn't name drop or use that as leverage coming into Japantown-style ta- shit. But when they get there, the person they're supposed to extract, it's actually his funeral. It's a dead body. They need to try to find a way to extract out of this big celebration because he's this other crime lord guy in the Yakuza. They're everywhere. They were tactful. They got it done, but it was kind of kind of crazy. But, um, but yeah, no, I definitely feel that uh, with them, it's more, uh, you know, Tiger Claws, I feel, can... There a couple ways played, like, more on that like you said, autonomous gang level running the streets and more, uh, I don't know, very gang, whereas I can see Yakuza more syndicate, more mob family oriented, like Joseph said, ties overseas and back to whatever home country and parts of Japan or things, whatever they have attachments to versus Tiger Claws maybe being more Americanized in their gang mentality, less roots and traditionalism or big thoughts on all that, you know? Um, but I can also see whereas like Yakuza is more on like the crime side because of, you know, uh, mafia style, I don't know, 
thinking of their group or their organization versus Tiger Claw. I can also see that being played as like how it is described, you know, protecting Japantown. Maybe using methods they have to, because everybody has to do what they have to do to survive. But they can almost be like that equivalent of Sixth Street, you know, right? Like the, the good bad guys, if you will. I could see them played that way as well, most definitely. One thing that's interesting about both Sixth oh, and Street Yakuza and... using Tiger Claws to do their dirty work. Just want to mention that Renegade Senate because I could definitely see that as well. What, what were you going to say, Joseph? Mm-hmm. No, that's a good point from chat. Uh, one of the interesting things about Sixth Street, Maelstrom, and Tiger Claws is that they're some of the gangs that get highlighted in 2077. Okay. Now, as GMs, obviously, we're not beholden to that, right? At your table, it's your Night City, it's your Dark Future. But being able to see one possible trajectory for these gangs gives us some ideas because both the Tiger Claws and Sixth Street are portrayed as protector gangs. But by the time 2077 rolls around, we see them doing a lot of standard stuff, uh, extorting businesses for protection money and they're even mom and pa shops, right? They're not just saying, oh, you know, keep your big Corpo Mart out of here. We're going to protect our local shops. No, they're, they're hitting up everybody for their cut, doing a lot of standard stuff, which... In some communities, it's like, okay, well, we pay the local, you know, the local family, but they do protect us from getting beat up by roving gangs and stuff. So it, it's a fair trade, whereas in other communities, it's there, we are in this iron stranglehold. So one thing that I find really interesting is when people start out with this idea of, you know, we're going to band together for mutual protection based on something we believe in, but over time, greed kicks in. And if that is a possible trajectory in 2077, and we're playing in 2045... It's ample time to show the beginning of that process or the seeds of that process. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah, and it, uh, what is Zeppi? The Wang Fang Tong or the triads? Yeah, see, there, David Ling Po runs the most dangerous part of the triads of the Wang Fang Tong. I honestly think Talsorian forgot about them in the gang section. Honestly, no. See, they mentioned them uh, if you go to where it talks about David Ling Po. Uh, being the big exec that looks out for Japantown, but behind scenes, you know, he's running criminal shit, um, or Ch- Chinatown, sorry, uh, Little China. And um, and it talks about uh, something along those lines, I believe. Um, but yeah, they do mention them. But yeah, they, they don't get their own listing in the gang section. Um, I feel like they could, you know, but, but then again, I think like Lobster said a minute ago, um, you know, you start getting the Yakuza and the Triad and things like that. It's like, eh, are, you, are, are they just going to be thrown in with all the other types of gangs? Like I was saying, that blanket term gang, you know? Or can that be stepping more into like a syndicate, you know, a crime family and, and have more traditional roots mixed in with the types of shit that they do to survive versus like, like for instance, like certain mobs and stuff like, oh, we don't deal in drugs. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's like certain things, just like gangs have their certain limitations and ideals or whatever, I'm sure. But it just seems to me that uh, when you start stepping up to some of these bigger uh, uh, things, it, it does become more syndicate, less gang. Yeah, to to me, when I'm thinking syndicates in general, and these very well may be Shadowrun brainworms that have followed me to red, but it is um, <laughs> the the concept of a syndicate is they should be operating at much more of the white-collar crime level rather than the blue-collar crime level as a percentage of their income. Oh, yeah. um, so these, these folks should be, do, you know, doing things like money laundering and fake IDs and racketeering um, and uh, you know whatever art you know art thefts or manipulating securities um, not just like robbing people with a baseball bat right? right like that to me is the difference between the two and I think cyberpunk red especially with how un- unstable 
Night City is at the time of Red. It plays itself much more to low-level crime. Um, but I think in a future supplement, uh, when we get more discussion about corporate stuff in detail or high society, uh, you can weave in syndicates in that in that world a lot more. Yeah, and I think I think and that brings a good point. Sorry to cut you off. Hold your thought because don't forget what you're going to say. But I do want to say that uh, let's do a future uh, episode of Night City Live because I want to do one on corpse, neo corpse, and custom corp ideas. And within that, could probably. Uh, uh, interweave some syndicate and mob family talk and organized crime stuff. But what were you going to say there, Joseph? Basically that. Like, a syndicate (laughs) is is an illegal corporation, you know? And given how laissez-faire things are in the world of Nice City, the the lines between a a megacorp and a syndicate are fairly blurry, right? In real life and in cyberpunk, right? (laughs) (laughs) And I think it was, uh, let me see the check someone said in there. Like, oh, it was Renegade uh... They're much better organized, I'd say, most definitely. And then Perk saying uh, they've got their own lawyers and accountants. Exactly, you know, so there you go. That, I think that's a great point to be made. Um, yeah, what's next on the list? All right, the last one for us is Ooh. the Voodoo Boys. Um, major crime contacts in Florida and the Caribbean have been the beginning of the, uh, have, may have been the beginning of the Voodoo Boys, a terrorist gang with ritual magic overtones feeding their bizarre tastes by dealing primarily in non-synthetic drugs. But that's been changing recently, as real Haitians and other refugees from the decimated Dominican Republic have started to move into the area. These immigrants have taken offense at the so-called voodoo boys and have taken to expressing their displeasure by maiming victims and dissecting the dead with machetes, leaving body parts as warnings. Stay tuned. Yeah, I like how they kind of almost set up this description. This is the one like gang uh, description where it's almost like a little mini scream sheet, right? Like they almost lay out a possible uh, scenario or plot hook or something you can you can inter, inter uh, weave into your your own plot or campaign possibly by talking about their conflict and shit and then stay tuned you know it's like I don't know I like that a lot um, the other thing I want to mention about them uh, is they remind me of the whole nomad situation when you look at going to twenty seventy seven in the sense that they completely evolve and change not out of crime not out of being a gang or whatever but you see in that world book. Um, listed as like net runners and stuff, you know, so it seems like they went from street gang, like almost booster gang style uh, voodoo boys with a touch of poser in the sense of the voodoo, the magic, right? Like ritualistic, like they're very themed poser gang style, but still booster. I don't know. But it definitely looks like by the time they hit 2077, uh, they're a gang of, you know, the voodoo boys are net runners. And that makes a lot of sense to me because if you think of voodoo and like pseudo magic, um, your version of that in cyberpunk is definitely programs and, and black ice and shit. You know, that's your form of like magic. You know, you're zapping, you're shooting uh, hell bolts and shit. You know, you know what I mean though? So uh, what do you guys think about voodoo boys? My, my general uh, thing is that uh, what you're presented here is almost two gangs within that blurb. One is going to be um, almost a, what appears to be a voodoo poser gang, right? So it's a terrorist gang with ritual magic overtones. Um, but then afterwards you have what appears to be an ethnic gang reclaiming the name. And mm-hmm. it is uh, primarily a, you know, immigrants reclaiming a name and a culture and doing it with extreme violence. Um, so you have two different bits to explore as well as the, uh, the interaction between the two. And yeah, this is perhaps like, the only example of a poser gang being actual posers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, exactly. I think like Bob just says, I think 2020 gangs were posers using it to have 
uh, gimmick while the actual Haitians take them over and wipe them out. And I love that that idea, you know, because it definitely seems like that. And that's like, you know, stay tuned. Um, it seems like that's what's in the process or, you know, happening in red. Um, but then you see, like I said, 30 years later, like it's very, if anybody has that world book, correct me if I'm wrong, you know, they're completely described as like in the net. They're net runners, you know. Mm-hmm. Po- uh, voodoo Boys, Aquas, uh, the Voodoo Boys Poser Gangs and the Voodoo Boys Booster Gangs War. Yeah, I could see that, like different different uh, people claiming Voodoo Boy uh, title or whatever, maybe. Yeah. And it's, it is also interesting because if you look at uh so the first gang seems um significantly less well actually never mind i was gonna lie they're a terrorist gang right so what are they doing <laughs> uh, the and a terrorist gang with ritual magic overtones feels a lot like the higher level of the reckoners right oh, like yeah, they're yeah, totally. uh, trying to trying to commit mass violence um for you know a non really clear reason though terrorist implies that they have some kind of political motive but we're not really sure what it is um but you know if there's a bunch of new immigrants to night city and they are true and honest adherents to voodoo as like the culture that they grew up in and worship um they're gonna they're gonna start that war so uh, i think it's i think it's really interesting I'd love to see that portrayed as, you know, the terrorist posers being very uh, cinematic, being very, you know, theatrical with their violence. And the people replacing them, getting rid of them, are brutal but, like, efficient. They're not about making it showy. They're just about moving in and taking care of business. And I love the idea of the people who shroud themselves in mystery and symbolism being terrified of these other people who are just really good at what they do and not fucking around. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I, I definitely agree. Have, have you worked Voodoo Boys into any of your campaigns, uh, Joseph? I have not. And uh, Lobster, no? I have not. Um, I feel like they are so core to the plot of 2077 that, you know, if... When I, when I was running my game, I deliberately chose to emphasize aspects of the lore that connect the two games, largely because it's not like running a game in the Star Wars universe, where the entire story is sort of part of the cultural zeitgeist already. You know, Cyberpunk, with the game coming out, it introduced a lot of people to the world, uh, and so I wanted to focus on some of the big lore aspects. Arasaka, Johnny Silverhand, things that are not... To, to those of us who have been aware of the game for longer and for people who have been playing it since 2020, you know, of course, but that's kind of cliche. Let's go into the other corners. Let's see some of the other stuff out there. Uh, but I was doing mine to focus on those main thread lines. And because the VDB is pretty heavily involved in the game, uh, I haven't super involved, and in a very different way than they are in the time of the Red, I haven't really touched them. Yeah, I haven't touched them either, but way back in the day, you know, way back in Cyberpunk 2020 days when I was just a kid, um, I had a module I played. Um, I still have it. It's called Chasing the Dragon, and I want to say that that one had Voodoo Boys in it. I'm trying to remember it, and I remember mm-hmm. when I was playing, I wasn't GMing at the time. It was my, my friend Eric. We were back in, uh, I want to say middle school or just getting into high <laughs> school, but um, yeah, I think middle school. And uh um, yeah, it was chasing the dragon. I remember I was chasing a guy throughout the campaign, finally getting up to him. He kept getting away, but it was uh, it was the Voodoo Boys. I'm almost sure. Any 2020 fans out there, if you've ever played Chasing the Dragon, let me know in the in the chat if I'm right about that, or maybe Google it for me. But um, but yeah, I think that's uh, enough chat about the ones listed. Um, again, anybody in chat has questions or thoughts about it, we can always mention it and backtrack 
same with all of us, Lobster Joseph, anything comes to mind, mention it about him. But let's let's talk at least a little bit um, before we end this episode of Night City Live about, you know, custom games, making your own. Because I feel like all the ones listed in red are great. They got great character, great ideas. But there's only, what, like 14 listed there. Um, there was a bunch back in the old Night City source book for 2020. I'm hoping more are coming. But there's a lot of wiggle room. There's plenty of room in the city and around to create your own gangs, do what you want. That's not to say the ones listed aren't awesome because they all have such individual style and are all motivated by different things that you can easily think of creative ways. Kitty! I saw Kitty Tail in Joseph's screen. <laughs> I always say that every stream, every game. But uh, um, anytime I see uh, pets, I love doggies and kitties and stuff. But um, but yeah, you know, you, you can figure out ways to work them into campaigns very easily because of what they're motivated, <laughs> what motivated by and what they're doing. It's like a cat uh, jaws like, da da like like a shark, <laughs> shark fin going by, yeah. and all of a sudden it's going to jump up and hit Joseph in the face, bah, 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 and then run off. Um, no, but uh, but you know what I mean. You can you can kind of think of creative ways to work them into a campaign based on what they're doing and what they're into and what the gang is and by the description. Um, I feel like that's what's great about custom gangs. Not just in the sense like I mentioned, I made up that Tiger Kings one just to come up with like a a pop culture reference for a, a poser gang for fun. But you can also work that in, like if you have campaign ideas and different things, oh, he's cute. And, uh, you know, th- like different things that you have to do, like, okay, this one's all about, uh, you know, drugs or anti-corp or this, just like Inquisitors are great for anti-cyberware, right? When it comes into custom gangs, you can kind of reverse engineer that. If you don't have a, a gang that's set in red, but you know what it's about or your campaign or what the focus is, and you just make a gang about that if you need some type of conflict or thing to be about that in that campaign. And that's the beauty of creating your own custom gangs. But let's talk about, you know, ways to do that, your thoughts on them, uh, ones that you guys have created. Um, I've got a couple others I could mention, but I want to hear from you guys most definitely. Sure. So in general, when I'm thinking about making a custom gang, there's kind of the first thing that I want to determine is, uh, am I treating them as part of the crime ecosystem or am I treating them as a cinematic element, right? And there's different ways of thinking as you go about that. If you just want uh, a cinematic element that you roll in like Team Rocket every once in a while to go fuck some shit up <laughs> and they don't actually need to have like an economy, you can kind of hand wave that away. You just need big personalities. Cool. Give them a theme in terms of a, a goal they're trying to achieve give them a couple of big personalities in in terms of you know names that people recognize and some kind of color scheme or appearance that is iconic to them um and then just insert them when it's appropriate or not um with when you're trying to do more crime ecosystem gangs uh the first thing is like think about that kind of predator prey relationship that we talked about earlier um where can they get resources from and who are they competing with um Think about the territory they own and how they control it. Uh, think about how they make money and what makes sense. Um, and then think about what draws the gang together. Um, and I like to use that costly signals. Um, the reason why ethnic and uh, ethnic gangs are so popular is because ethnicity is a costly signal. You, it's very challenging to change that, um, and so it shows your group, you know, as part of a group. Um, you can use um, other costly signals like biosculpting to show why they're associating together. Uh, but really think about the, you know, economics well, drives everything around me. So, you know, I was just going to interject while you were on that point of it yeah. that, yeah, definitely it could be, you know, the means for survival or convenience or family. You know, there's things, 
you know you can push but most definitely you know there's there's the typical and the fa- you know what you would f- base that foundation on but i think um but yeah i think that the most important to think about is you know location and then what what is kind of driving them like their form like you said their form of income and trade or what their you know what is their purpose as a gang and then their opposition because of that and i think once you have what they're about it's easy to kind of define what their opposition is but again i think the fact that you can create these gangs it's almost like um you know reverse engineering in a sense that that you can create them to be the answer to whatever you have in your campaign like if you have this going on and you need that that anti instead of having the custom gang and then trying to figure out okay this is what they're about this is their conflict or their anti maybe they're the anti to what you already have in the campaign or maybe they're the conflict the team runs into um but that's the beauty of custom gangs is you can create them however you want. Um, I've, I, I tended to, in my own, um, lean more towards, just because when I've done it, it's been more cheesy, it's been more fun, lean, lean more towards the poser gangs and more towards, like, pop culture references and, like, you know, the hokey things that, that would bring them together or make it seem as a unit, um, even if underlining they were into drug dealing or something dark and a, a little more crazy. Um, but other than that, I haven't really made... Um, too many. Oh, I've, no, I made like a nomad pack that was gang like, um, but I haven't made too many like just kind of straight like booster gang styles. I've I've mostly pulled from um, existing lore when I've done stuff like that, unless it's just been some generic, um, like a bunch of kids squatting in a place or something. I'll come up with like a generic name or whatever. But I think the point about cinematic versus ecosystem use is brilliant, especially when. I found my design parameters change a lot when I'm designing for content versus just designing for my table. And sometimes it, you know, in some projects that can sort of blur and a lot of the concepts that work well for one work well in the other. And in when you're specifically designing for content and you've got like a three hour time block and it's a produced show and all that stuff, the cinematic approach tends to take a lot more precedence. Uh, and all those elements you described give them a clear goal, give them mascots, you know, standout characters, put them in opposition, give them conflict. That's all phenomenal. And that's exactly, I just take those sort of elements and make sure I apply them to the existing gangs. Mm-hmm. I haven't created any new gangs yet, and that's largely because, again, I'm really trying to root this game in the mythology of the cyberpunk universe to strengthen those ties. I think there's something to be said for taking the gangs and making them your own, especially where... Some of these gangs have a ton of lore you can draw on if you really want to be a stickler for detail. Others only have a short little blurb, and that leaves you a lot of room to grow. And to take them, take the Reckoners, for example, and do whatever it is that you need to do with them. I think that the economy system, where you figure out how they fit into Night City and how they interact with others, is going to be key. And I think that even when you're designing a cinematic gang, if you spend a little bit of time on those design aspects, like it'll help every little piece you throw in there will help, even if it's not strictly necessary and just help ground them. But I also think nice City's plenty big enough for a DM. If you really are missing something in the world, you can easily throw it in. Uh, we saw some examples in chat about all the players having like a Russian background language. That's a great time to bring in a gang specifically for that. I think that's the ideal reason to create something new. Most definitely. No, and I think uh, uh, with the cinematic version, I think you're 100% right. It's good to at least give it a little bit of depth or foundation, even if not initially planned or played as, as the jam, because you, you never know what players are going to 
uh, pursue and, and all of a sudden give, <laughs> give depth to, and all of a sudden you have to quickly have that backstory or a little more to it maybe, or it becomes something they pursue. You, you, you never know, so that can always happen. Um, and yeah, you're referring, I think it's Alda Breka, hopefully I'm saying that right, and Shaddy said he made a Slavic uh, gang uh, for his home game because all his players gave their characters Russian as background language. And that's, yeah, I think that's what Joseph was referring to. But exactly, you know, it can, it can almost be an answer or a solution or something you pull from life path or um, a reverse engineered sort of thing. Uh, but that's the beauty of custom gangs um, is that you can create it however you want um, and do whatever you want with it. But I'm, but I'm definitely a fan of no matter how you do it, whether just face value throw them in or something that's a bit more established into your world building lore i think no matter what i'm definitely a fan of like what joseph said have have a little at least some back pocket history or lore to the ones even if it is just cinematic or face value or thrown in because you know you never know what what how it could develop i'm a i'm a i'm a sucker for doing a yes and for smart players who think of complex things and i find that when i give hooks i'm giving players hooks in the same way that players give gms hooks when i describe how a gang operates so that they can be more sophisticated than just shoot them in the head right oh, yeah. yes uh, so if you're like oh well you know this new gang is team rocket themed or whatever like yeah you could do it that they have you know taken a, a person with dwarfism and freaking carved them into look like meowth right like sure cool <laughs> they're they're iconic they're loud they're all something what if you find out that the reason that they operate off of Team Rocket is that the person who is their head executive worked for Network 54 um, and, in fact, has all of these brain dances uh, that are actually like Pokemon's kid show brain dances that they use as conversion. But they also have, like, managed to tune them to where they're, um, like, XBDs and get people really super high, right? And that's their primary source of income is they have this really unique drug setup of, like, cartoon BDs you know, like suddenly now it's like, oh, well, I need a gang where I can get an illegal BD customly made. I can, you know, call the Team Rocket people or, um, oh, God, let's frame this crime on somebody. Hold up, you know, look like a cat, right? Like you can do more <laughs> when there's when there's uh, bits for them to cling to, even if it's um, kind of Tolkien style next mountain theory where you just like give it a name to what they do. I'm going to say, yeah, they do absolutely do Pokemon themed brainwashing bds like don't explain it any more than that just give somebody a hook to operate right. on no i love that yeah and, and uh pwb or mr bind as i like to wrongly call him is uh he he's putting together heading it up with our our team and our community on the cyberpunk uncensored discord uh creating creating custom scream sheets that any gm can use uh we're going to start putting those together with many stories and fake ads and you know all kinds of cool stuff um, being put out by a fake uh, Neocorp that I created in one of my uh, one-shots called IMG, which is the Indie, indie Media Group. But, uh, but that's what he was referring to. Anybody watching, listening, including both of you, fellow GMs, um, if anybody has uh, short blurbs or uh, for community submissions about gangs, um, anything for these scream sheets, he'd love to have them. Uh, but yeah, if you go to the Cyberpunk Uncensored Discord, you'll see the scream sheet channel, and uh, PWB goes by Ferris Bueller on there and you can hit them up and submit your things you can look at the requirements but we'd love to showcase people we're putting people's names as like media and as characters in them so then people can use them as npcs plus homebrew things like 
uh, if you have techs that have made custom ammos and armors and devices, we can put those together as little uh, ads in the screen sheets as if they're ads from a company promoting that new custom thing that you created or such. So it's a lot of fun. Um, but check that out. Hit up PWB about that. That's what he was mentioning there in the chat. Yeah, Ferris Bueller is his name on the Cyberpunk Uncensored Discord. Um, but yeah, one of the other uh, custom gangs I wanted to mention this, and it's a lot of fun, is... Uh, um, well, actually, man, I, I'm hesitant talking about it because I was going to work it in uh, to some of my games. I, I, I don't know if I'm doing it uh, for the ongoing or the, the one-shot, but I did kind of prime it a little if I wanted to. Um, but I got the idea from Chris Hockabout. I did a whole interview thing for Cyberpunk Uncensored, the podcast. Chris Hockabout did all the original artwork for 2020. He actually did the original artwork for Ooh. the Bozos um, that everybody nice. knows and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, the Four Horsemen on the beginning when you open with the four different styles of men right there on the top header. He did all that artwork. He's badass. Uh, Chris Hockabout. Um, but check out that interview on Cyberpunk Uncensored on the YouTube. You can learn more about him. Uh, but we were talking about custom gangs, and he drew up one, and I love the idea. You basically plant a little... Uh, box that maybe looks like a safe. I know my ongoing, my one-shot, both of them have that. They haven't been able to crack it yet. Uh, it's a high DV because it's very difficult because it's almost like a puzzle lock, but once they get it open, it sends out a beacon that's maybe silent. They don't see, but almost Bozo style, they start getting haunted by a poser gang called uh, the Cinnabites or the Hellraisers if <laughs> you want to. Um, but it's that sort of uh, puzzle box that basically draws them in uh, and they start fucking you up. But it's a lot, it's just a cheesy, fun thing to kind of throw in. But, uh, but that's another custom gang uh, idea. And you can kind of prime it with that fun little box that maybe they find during a session. Eventually they get it open. It little beacon goes off. They have no idea what it's about. But then that's what starts showing up. Um, uh, have you guys done any, any particular custom gangs you want to mention? Uh, I have not. Um, I've just been using um, the statted ones. Oh, um, however, uh, one of the things that's uh, after we talked about it and mentioned the chat is is really obvious hole in the um, in the red listed gangs is that there are no netrunner gangs. Um, so if you want people who well, are oh yeah, I guess they're text. Uh, they talk about what is it, the brainiacs or somebody? Brainiacs yeah. aren't in red. Um, yeah, not in red. I thought you were saying, but in 2020, even they didn't. Oh, sorry, I meant in red. I'm just talking about the stated oh, gangs. Oh, in oh red. sorry, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, so in in the stated gangs in red, there's no, uh, you know, there's a lot of room for uh, netrunner gangs. Um, if you want to do something like that, um, there's room for um, more white collar crime uh, type gangs. So if you want to, you know, uh, bring in the Valentinos and keep them as, you know, suave playboys and stuff, or maybe make them into like low level swindlers. Um, or if you want to get people into actually doing like surveillance, white collar crime, or, you know, manipulating, um, financial stuff. Like those are good spaces that you could use, uh, custom gangs in, um, perk in the chat had, uh, their custom gang for net runners called the 404s. They ran out of new Westbrook. And New Westbrook uh, was a corporate zone, so there's a lot of uh, scavenge, a uh, lot of high-tech stuff that you could scavenge there, um, and you can break net stuff to go through them. So it's a, it's definitely something that you can use. Yeah, no, I love that idea, and it's definitely the usefulness of custom gangs. And yeah, not Bob saying the Brainiacs mostly got wiped out by rabbits. And that, yeah, no, I, I was, I thought he was referring to 2020. And that's what I was saying about the Netrunner. But yeah, not in red, not at all. Um, with the exception of, like I said, you can see how Voodoo boy, Boys are heading in that direction. But obviously with what it is, plenty of room for, for more gangs. So anything you do with custom gangs. And I do want to say this too. Anybody watching this VOD version of this episode on the Cyberpunk Uncensored YouTube, 
If you've created a custom gang or have any ideas, uh, ways that they can be useful and thoughts on it, leave it in the comments. I'd love to see that. And uh, maybe I'll reach out uh, when we start kicking out some of the scream sheet stuff like I was talking about um, and get you involved. That'd be awesome. Um, but yeah, I think we covered Gangs of Night City. I think this was a great episode of Night City Live. Um, before I kill this transmission, um, why don't uh, everybody get a moment to say any final words um, not just about the episode, obviously, but, you know, plug yourself one last time, tell people where they can find you and all that good stuff. But Lobster Falcon, you want to start that off? Sure. Uh, first, uh, thanks, Joseph and Rob, for uh, having me on. And this was super fun and it's always great talking to you. Um, I also want to say if you guys are, you know, don't have a home game or you're looking for more games, come check out uh, Night City Stories. Uh, you can find us on uh, Reddit at uh, reddit slash r slash Night City Stories. Uh, and uh, yeah, you can come play lots of Westmarch-style um, Cyberpunk Red games. We're always, of course, looking for more GMs, but we're also looking for players. So uh, please come on by. And, and anybody watching that's part of the Cyberpunk Uncensored community, they're an official partner um, with us. Uh, so if you're part of our Discord, you see how we have you know uh, GMs and players looking for each other to play Red 2020. We also have that Westmarch channel. And if you go there, you'll see a, a direct link um, to Night City Stories right there, and you can uh, go join some of their games and check it out. But, uh, yeah, Joseph, why don't you, uh, any final words here? Give yourself a plug. For, for sure. Uh, again, Rob, thank you for having me back. Uh, right. Always a pleasure. Lobster Falcon, great to meet you. You have a big brain. You have some great ideas <laughs> that will be making appearances at my table. You can find me in particular across the Internet, uh, Tormented by Gnomes. I've got that username pretty much on lock. I'm primarily active on Twitter. Red Sky City is produced by Do Not Peak, which is twitch.tv slash dnpeak. You can also find us past episodes on YouTube, and dnpeak is on Twitter as well. We have highlights, we have recaps of Red Sky City, which is our cyberpunk red actual play. And yeah, that should do it for us. Oh yeah, awesome. Yeah, and I'm Rob Mulligan. Most of you know me. I'm the founder of Cyberpunk Uncensored. I'm constantly putting out you know crash course tutorials and different series. Um, the GM Tips series, uh, this Night City Live. I've got a deep dive series uh, where we're taking it beyond the tutorials of each individual role and doing more of an archetype life path, preferred skill, a deep dive on each role. That series is just starting up as well. But yeah, just lots of cyberpunk content. Almost every day I'm posting something between the podcast, the YouTube, the Twitch live streams. We're also showcasing other GMs playing. Um, we also got the community blog with a bunch of free stuff. Uh, let me see, Zeppi here says, uh, could you quickly mention that we're starting a play-by-post system? That's right, on the Cyberpunk Uncensored Discord, um, there's a play-by-post section as well. So people that you know can't commit to all the time or want to get involved heavily, they can do that play-by-post. Um, so check out that channel as well. But yeah, we're just constantly doing Cyberpunk stuff. Um, so I just ask everybody watching, make sure you subscribe and follow to Cyberpunk Uncensored, uh, both on YouTube and on Twitch. And uh, give our videos a like and a share. Show us some love. I would really appreciate that. Uh, we got the GM Roundtable coming up. or Well, this first, this Wednesday, uh, just in a couple days, uh, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard. I've got my weekly ongoing uh, Team Nameless uh, going on right here, live stream, playing Cyberpunk Red. And then Saturday is the uh, next episode every month, second Saturday of every month, we do the GM Roundtable. Um, so that'll be going on this Saturday. And, um, yeah. That's about it. I really appreciate uh, you guys joining me again for more fun cyberpunk talk. 
and we'll definitely do more in the future. I love having you guys on. So um, everybody in chat, thanks so much for contributing ideas. Um, I see you in all the streams and it, it really does mean a lot. Um, you know, we love talking about cyberpunk, but I love in, involving the community and getting the feedback and ideas. You guys are awesome and creative and such, you know, so many good GMs and people in the community with great stories to tell. And it just contributes to these streams and, and series that we're creating. Um, and I love it and I appreciate it. So, all right, everybody, uh, take care and we'll see you next time. Bye, y'all.